Blog Talk Radio. Yes, everybody, that is the Matchbox 20 song, How Far We've Come. And it just seemed like that kind of a day today over here at Blog Talk Radio. This is Amy Peekoff. You're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is our kind of little pre-show soiree. And really today, if you go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, where I've got program notes for all of the stuff on today's show, at the beginning of those program notes, I have a number of links Yeah, all kinds of affiliate links. I'm selling you stuff. But what those are about is really the things that I've been doing lately to just be productive and keep my mind off of all this garbage that's going on in the world. Obviously, I'm keeping tabs on what's going on in the world. But in terms of not getting yourself overly depressed about it, I think the only way is to try and be productive and get control over the things in your own life that you can control as much as possible. So you see over there OmniFocus, which is part of my long journey of trying to become proficient at GTD. Those of you who know and follow my work know that I have been a fan and kind of a student of GTD for a long time. And those of you who maybe have also struggled with the, quote, getting organized or productivity parts of your lives, just always trying to improve on that, you know how long it can take to get your mind around this and truly make changes. And the thing that I'm noticing lately, I I tried OmniFocus before and for some reason it didn't make sense for me. And maybe I just wasn't ready for that level of of doing GTD. But I've now gotten out of my email program as trying to keep your email program as a way to organize your tasks, etc. And what I'm doing is I'm actually living out of OmniFocus as I'm doing the things that I go about doing during my day. And I'm finding the new OmniFocus, OmniFocus 2, to be maybe more intuitive than the prior version. It could just be the user interface is prettier. I don't know. Or it could just be I was more ready to take on GTD at a higher level at this point in my life. But um, get out of the email. Even putting a little action folder in my email wasn't working for me the way that 
OmniFocus is working. So actually having a list manager, I think, is good. OmniFocus, of course, is only a Mac program, so that's the link that you see there. It's OmniFocus for Mac. The other thing that I have loved working with is the Scrivener program. And I found out about Scrivener through Todd Henry. Now, I've got Bosch Boston walking here in the studio. Hello, everyone. Late. Yeah. Late. Yeah. Late. Yeah. <laughs> Was that fashionably? Is that... Uh, is it fashionable to be late to my show? Uh, I don't I'll, know. I was just standing outside the room for like 10 minutes, just just standing and waiting for you to... Well, that's even worse. Yeah, I'm joking. It's like phony fashionably late. <laughs> Todd Henry is the guy, right? The right. Die Empty? Die Empty. And I believe it was by looking at his site that I heard about Scrivener. And Scrivener is this little program that helps you organize and just compile a book, say, for example, which is what I'm working on right now. I'm working on the Legalizing Privacy Why and How book, and I'm about halfway through the second chapter. And the second chapter is merely revising a lecture that I gave at Ocon a couple of years ago. So it's not super difficult. But the cool thing is Scrivener, I mean, I think there's a lot of cool things about its user interface and the features that it has. But one really cool thing is that it keeps you on task. You can actually fill in the different parameters about your project, when you want your manuscript done, and how many words you want it to be, and what days of the week you want to work on it. And it will tell you how many words per day you need to get done. So that's a really cool program. I highly recommend it. Other links that I've got there are... The Freedom App. Oh, the Freedom App is something you recommend, so we yeah. should actually get that up there. Yeah, it was uh, but, Don Watkins uh, recommended it through someone else. Who was it? Right. Uh, I, one one of his podcast people, yeah, but we could talk about that in the uh, next break. Anyway, uh, the other links are for the Jezebels, and that's thanks to them because of getting music for the intro. Here we go. are listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is the show where we discuss news, politics, and often culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy is the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. The only one that does that, in my knowledge. It is July 18th, 2014, just for those people who like to keep track of such things. And as you can see, if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, the title that I have assigned... Today's show, depressingly, is nihilism and its consequences, and that's just because there's so much darn disgusting nihilistic stuff in the news this week. And and if you were here for the pre-show little blog blog talk radio soiree that we do for the first six minutes, I was talking about how I am personally surviving through this really kind of depressing period in the news right now. I don't know. It's always bad, but sometimes it gets to me more. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I've got a writing project that I'm burying myself in, doing a little bit each day, 
thanks to some productivity tools that I put links to there. So in any event, you can check those out and kind of bury yourself in your projects, maybe writing projects, and give yourself a little bit of productivity therapy, which is, I think, what we all need. But yeah, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. Not only do I have those links, but I have the links to all the stories that I would like to discuss today. It's rather an ambitious list, and most of it really does have to do with this topic of nihilism. There's a few things towards the end that are news stories that I just wanted to get to a little bit that weren't necessarily about nihilism directly. And I've got a few things at the end that are good news so that we can end everything on a good note. If you would like to talk about any of the topics that we have planned here today, the number to call is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And I just discovered I need to turn my head this way more. Yes, Bosch? Why? I've got Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me as usual. Welcome, Bosch. Hello, everyone. Why do you have to turn your head that way more? I'm noticing a difference in the sound quality if I go to the hmm. side like this versus like this. The, the microphone is directional. In an ideal world, we would have the fancy studio with the microphones kind of suspended from the ceiling the, so that I wouldn't have to give value state to with, the microphone. Uh, and with decent... Uh, Sound music, I mean, because the, the music never comes out quite right. Oh, yeah. It's blog talk or whatever. Yeah, I think you've got yeah, the chair there on the cord. Yeah, we got we got a cramp little studio here, yeah. <laughs> but it works. It is functional. So people, I know we've got some people on the line here, but don't go ahead and I want to mention the, the, the one app, uh, it's called Freedom, mm-hmm. the app. And basically it shuts down uh, the Internet uh, when you want to get some work done. You just put a block of work, an hour, two hours, whatever it is. And you uh, put on that app, and you put how, how, however long you want to do it. You literally can't access the internet. For myself, I get distracted very easily. So when you when you want to write, you literally cannot be di- you know distracted. If you're tempted, if you're if you waver, you you know you can't do it. So and there was um, Dal Watkins had a link to uh, Timothy Ferris podcast, and uh, it was a writer, uh, I think a novelist. Okay. A novelist, uh, Neil Strauss, I think was his name, and he recommended it. He said it's, it's a lifesaver. He called it. And it uh, definitely works. And definitely works. So for those Especially of you Especially if you're who, easily distracted. Well, or maybe if you're just at the beginning of a project or yeah. you're at a point in a project where you're kind of stuck and you have a very low threshold for wanting to leave it and go look at something else, then maybe right. that's the time to use it. Right now, I happen to be in a groove with my project, so I don't have any problem. I even right. worked on my project a bit this morning. Right, and, so. and what you do, you, right, you might not even need it at a certain point, but it's right. a nice jump start. It's a nice way to say, okay, i got to commit to this for this long, and that's it. Right, right. And uh, I've been working on the script for the Infinite 3, and I should be done and, next week. And so. Uh, so what happens when you try to cheat well, with this I, program? What happens? I don't. I, I don't. Didn't you, didn't you say like one time you had finished your chunk of work yeah. before you had thought yes. you were so done I and then you and tried to go and it wouldn't let you? Nothing. It wouldn't let you. <laughs> uh, which is good. I mean, it's like you got to wait it out. So whatever time you commit to for no internet, that means I no think, internet. Yeah, that's it. Please, please don't put that on any time before the show on this yeah, computer, exactly. okay? That would that would not be good. That would not that's be good It's called freedom, by the way. So, I think uh, Mark has a, a link in the, in the chat. Oh, Excellent. Is that right? Yeah, so maybe he is a connoisseur of such things as well. It definitely gives you a helping hand. Mark, I don't, I can't remember if you're a GTD person, but let me know if you've also tried the OmniFocus that I have been indulging in lately. Uh, so we're already getting into some topics with Joshua here in the chat room. And, hmm, uh, end of days sort of discussion there, which is apropos of the music that I had in our little 
pre... And what was that? Sorry. Oh, you didn't even get the music. Yeah. It was How Far We've Come by Matchbox 20, where they talk about the end of the world. Well, if you, if you play that music, I guess it is the end of the world. Yeah. And then, Mark, you can tell me whether... Mark is answering here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio about my OmniFocus question. He says, yes, he uses OmniFocus 2. So then my question is, is OmniFocus 2 really that much better and easier to use than OmniFocus 1, or is it just me evolving in my... GTD journey. So you can let me know about that as well. But let's get into some of our topics. And well, ugh. Malaysian airline was downed. Yep. It was yesterday. Is that right? Yep. I think and early in the day. Early in the day yesterday. So some horrible people shot a missile at a passenger airline of Malaysian airline, a passenger jet of Malaysian airline. And, you know, Obama, this is just kind of the latest of what they're thinking about who did it. Obama is thinking that pro-Russian separatists are to blame in the downing of the plane. He said that uh, that they believe that the Malaysian airline jetliner was felled over eastern, eastern Ukraine, shot down by a service air missile from an area inside Ukraine controlled by Russian-backed separatists. Based on what is he saying this? Uh, let me see what he says based on what. All I know is he said that the loss of life was an outrage of unspeakable proportions. How did he deliver that? It was an outrage of unspeakable proportions. Yeah. That's probably how he delivered it. I mean, one thing we're going to do in a second is just compare the way that Obama talks about such events, such atrocities, versus a president from the past that I was too young to fully appreciate at the time, which was Ronald Reagan. He also calls it a global tragedy. He vowed to investigate what happened you know, to end innocent lives. And he said that at least one American was among the dead. And it was interesting because at first they had said 23 Americans, and that's such a specific number, 23, that you wouldn't think that that would just be like a vague estimate, the result of some kind of error. And I was wondering if it's people who have dual citizenship. I don't know, but we'll have to find out what the actual final details is. We are going to make sure the truth is out, Mr. Obama said. When has Obama ever gotten the truth out? Never. About he, anything? He fights truth, and uh, that's his lifelong battle. We don't have time for propaganda. We don't have time for games, he says. Barack Obama. And I think really, I think really, it's just he doesn't want to deal with it too much. Mr. You know? Mr. Propaganda, Mr. Game Player plays yeah. golf more than anyone. He goes well, to bars and, it, and plays golf and fundraisers. Pool and, and you know. He's just. Uh, he says violence in the region must not impede an independent investigation of the plane's destruction. He called on Russia, Ukraine, and the Russian-backed separatists to agree on an immediate ceasefire. Oh yeah, that'll work. All you know, Obama just gives a speech, right? He says investigators need to access the crash site, and the solemn task of returning those who were lost on board the plane to their loved ones needs to go forward immediately. End quote. I mean, one thing that's for sure is they've got to be able to get investigators and some actual real personnel with the proper authority and instructions to get there. Because one nihilist article that I saw this morning said that there's a bunch of looters hmm. at the crash site just going over the dead bodies of these poor victims and stealing their stuff. Oh my. So they don't care to come across this kind of carnage. They're like, yeah, that's, that's nothing. Yeah. I want to get some valuables from this. Right. That is horrific. Right. 
you would mm-hmm. think that they would hesitate to actually come across that. Well, and then the other thing, I mean, if we want to really draw out this as consequences of nihilism, it could be the consequences of the nihilistic policies of the governments right. under which they live that are making them so impoverished that they become totally yeah. immune and just right. completely numb to the death and carnage. And the only thing they can figure out is where their next meal is going to come from. So let's go ahead and take an iPhone off of one of the passengers, mm-hmm. assuming such a thing assuming. could survive. That would be very generous too. But cruising at an altitude, of, it was cruising at an altitude of 33,000 feet on a commonly used air route over the eastern Ukraine when it was struck on Thursday. You know, one of the articles that I shared over at my page, the Facebook page for Don't Let It Go Unheard, was an article that said that 100, about 100 passengers on this plane were AIDS researchers and scientists. So that in just this one attack, they have probably set back research on finding treatments and cures for AIDS a tremendous amount. The first thing I thought about was the fact that uh, Pukin is uh, famously anti-gay. That's the first thing I thought about. Whether people want to take me to task on this, someone tried on the Don't Let It Go page on Facebook, like, you're saying he did it? No, but I'm saying this guy, is, uh, he has created laws against homosexuals. I mean, specifically, openly. On, I mean, he's just out there with it. And, I mean, look, he's a bad guy. He has killed people. To think his, that, that he had nothing to do with it, I don't, I don't, we well, don't know and I, I think I saw another uh, headline that said that it was a Russian missile. Yeah. Yeah, was it? No, but what I'm saying is the feeling right now is the world is condemning Russia at large. Mm-hmm. Whether they have anything to do with it, we'll find out. Well, and Robert that, says here that it's almost uh, that, that the proof is with the separatists, but you know we'll see. We we shall see. Somebody but, but, some, somebody had tried to speculate that uh, whoever was shooting this missile was actually trying to target Putin himself because Putin was on a similar jet, I guess a seven 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 Boeing. Because he was coming from Brazil, is that right? I don't know. En route back to Russia. And, I mean, I I don't know that that would be true. Another article that I saw is one that I posted, again, at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. And in there, they were speculating that this MH17 pilot actually diverted into the danger zone in Ukraine. Uh, they're saying that the the captain may have made last-minute changes of course over the Ukraine because he, quote, felt uncomfortable about whatever course he had been plotting to go through. I think about that. The fact that a 100 aid scientists, 100, probably the most you know renowned maybe. I mean, just, when they say it's a setback for that, my mind goes certain places. Whether it, it whether it's a fact or not, it does. And then I just put two and two together. Well, it's possible he has something somehow, some way to do with it. Maybe he maybe he didn't. But again, it's worth just throwing out there. And of course, you know, people say, you know, why the hell they'll give Pukin the benefit of the doubt? He's a bad guy. He has killed his critics. We know he's a dictator. He's been president for as long as he's wanted to be president. You know, so we'll see. We'll see what. I comes can't out. even tell but, how old but, he but, is. Right? But yeah, it's true. But he, <laughs> but he had some. Uh, who knows, some surgery. But also, um, he would never, ever cop to it, ever. We know that also. Not he wants all. to maintain this veneer that he's some kind of benevolent uh, dictator. Russian media has explored the theory that the Ukrainian armed forces shot down the Boeing 777 after mistaking it for Putin's jet so that it was Ukraine's armed forces. But at the same time... John, John says, my guess, just a random bunch of Muslims with no motive uh, other than destruction. I mean, well, I mean, and, and that... But one you know, thing, John, they would jump to take credit. That's what they do. 
they can't wait to take credit for atrocities, and they haven't yet. That's so that's true. also a sign that it might not be. Right. But any if if either, I mean, so suppose there wasn't any motive, right? The, the only one that you would say, okay, would have a proper motive here is the Ukrainian government going after Putin. You'd say, okay, well, you know, theoretically they're at war. They might want to target Putin as part of a war if they thought that that was just no. the the you know the jet that was carrying Putin, then it's not a nihilistic thing. You might think it's wrong. You might you know say okay, well Ukraine should you know kill their leader. I don't know whatever. We could have that debate, but you wouldn't call it a nihilistic shot. And then you say oh well the only reason that it got this particular plane that they got this plane, they were hoping to get Putin, and instead they got this plane because of this pilot diverting and changing well, but, course. That's well, that's the idea. Well, but otherwise, any other cause is nihilistic. Why? Because this is a passenger plane. Targeted. Passenger plane. Targeted. I mean, it was targeted. It wasn't random. It was targeted specifically to bring this plane down. And but you know, besides that, whoever did it, Barack Obama, comes out there right. and is indifferent. To the carnage, he's indifferent to the atrocity. Well, and at first we heard 23 Americans were killed. Now we hear it's only one. But regardless, this is a human being, the most powerful man on earth. Uh, this is how he reacts to it. Well, right, and this is—I'm actually going to play for you his reaction. So I'm hoping that all of you can stomach this. At least you're not necessarily yeah, right. watching the video. Yet, so let if, me go. If, if you would like to test your fortitude, you can watch the video again linked over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. I've got this YouTube video where Obama is, I guess it's a fundraising event for sure. the Democratic Party. He's a fundraiser in chief. Listen to how long, how long he takes to describe this atrocity of the Malaysian airline being downed. Everybody, please have a seat. Please have a seat. Uh, it is wonderful to be back in Delaware. Uh, before I begin, uh, obviously the world is watching reports of a down... Let, let, me, let me just stop it right there, because would you even say it's wonderful to be, yeah. to be back in Delaware no. before you started no. talking? And also, he's like, hey, <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, it's like nothing's going on, really. He's just, he's just reporting some reports, some cold report. And he's like, oh, got to get this, you know, got to get this little bit of business out of the way, right? That's his, uh, his idea. Why does this screen go dark so easily? I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, let's Passenger listen. Passenger jet near the Russia-Ukraine border. And it looks like it may be a terrible tragedy. Uh, right now, we're working to determine whether there were American citizens on board. That is our first priority. Uh, and I've directed my national security team to stay in close contact with the Ukrainian government. Uh, the United States will offer any assistance we can to help determine what happened and why. And as a country, our thoughts and prayers are with all the families of the passengers, wherever they call home. I want to thank Jeremy for that introduction. Give Jeremy a big round of applause. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so now he's going right into it. All right, you know. I mean, can you believe this is just yeah. a standard fundraiser shtick that he's someone, going someone into? Someone said a bright part. He's, he was literally out to lunch because he went to a lunch date. Did, did, didn't cancel the lunch, lunch date. He's, you know, he stuffed his face with a big fat sandwich, as he usually does. He always tries to make himself seem like an idiot, eating hot dogs and ice cream and sandwiches. And I think it's, it's also to just show that he doesn't give a damn. And, you know, we have done, if you actually look up on Blog Talk Radio, you can do a little search for nihilism. And I doubt that too many hosts at Blog Talk Radio have nihilism in the title 
of their shows. So it'll probably come up pretty easily. You might be able to search just in my own archive, but I actually had nihilism with respect to the office of the president as a topic of the show where he's done all sorts of things just to degrade the office oh, excuse me, of the president of the no United States. It. I'm getting too uh, no, but, emotional. No, but that's, to me, that's something also. He's always being seen, and he, he clearly knows that there are photographs being taken of him stuffing his face like an idiot. That's not by accident. I mean, it's not. He's always trying to look like every man when, you know, he's an elitist. But uh, uh, Robert says, does this hurt my ears more than Duran Duran? Duran Duran is music to my ears compared to this. Okay? Well, it better be it music to your like ears because it is music. You know, Duran Duran <laughs> sounds like music compared to this. Oh, sorry. <sighs> I don't know. He does He does sound like the guy on the SNL skit, says Robert NYC sure. here in the chat. He sounds like a character of himself. I mean... I want to thank you know you know he pauses he, and he has this this thing where he goes he always does it it's a it's a front it's a it's a shtick. You know what we need to do is we need to contrast the you know Obama comes in he still goes to all of his normal fundraising events and yeah. lunches and everything else yeah. nothing can stop no. the attempt to get a majority. In the House yes. for the Democrats in 2014, no. nothing can stop that. And and also, that, you know, that's one thing he has to keep his cool because he's allegedly Mr. Cool. Imagine him behind the scenes. Imagine right. how he hops and pops and curses. But whatever. Besides that, he's like I'm in control. That's the whole thing here, and he's not. Let's contrast that with Ronald Reagan after the downing of a Korean airliner. This is 1983. You got a little bit of uh, quiet here at the beginning. It's a Reagan Foundation clip supplied by the Reagan Foundation. Hello, Americans. I'm coming before you tonight about the Korean airline massacre, the attack by the Soviet Union against 269 innocent men, women, and children. So just listen to that. He used the word massacre. I I don't even know if the word massacre is in Obama's vocabulary. No. I don't think I've ever heard him say the word massacre. Have you? No. I mean, he might say it within regard to, I don't know, Israel, it, Israel is yes, massacring, exactly. right? If it's in a teleprompter, he might um, just slip up and say it. He'll talk about people being innocent, but he won't talk about the horribleness of things that are done to them. Let's continue with Reagan. Aboard an unarmed Korean passenger plane. This crime against humanity must never be forgotten, here or throughout the world. Our prayers tonight are with the victims and their families in their time of terrible grief. Our hearts go out to them, to brave people like... Catherine McDonald, the wife of a congressman whose composure and eloquence on the day of her husband's death moved us all. He will be sorely missed by all of us here in government. The parents of one slain couple wired me. Our daughter and her husband died on Korean Airline Flight 007. Their deaths were the result of the Soviet Union violating every concept of human rights. The emotions of these parents, grief, shock, anger, are shared by civilized people everywhere. From around the world, press accounts reflect an explosion of condemnation by people everywhere. Let me state as plainly as I can, there was absolutely no justification, either legal or moral, for what the Soviets did. One newspaper in India said, if every passenger plane is fair game for home air forces, it will be the end to civil aviation as we know it. This is not the first time the Soviet Union has shot at and hit a civilian airliner when it overflew its territory. In another tragic incident in 1978, the Soviets also shot down an unarmed civilian airliner after having positively identified it as such. 
In that instance, the Soviet interceptor pilot clearly identified the civilian markings on the side of the aircraft, repeatedly questioned the order to fire on a civilian airliner, and was ordered to shoot it down anyway. So this establishes a couple things. First of all, establishes that the Soviet Russians now yeah. have a history of using this tactic Pukin, for whatever. Shukin was part of that part of that government. He was he was a KGB. I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to make the case, but what I'm saying is there was a history there. This right. is a bad guy. He has killed people. And <laughs> you know what I mean? To to say, oh, he would never do that. How? I mean, why would someone dare even say that? And and the other thing that this establishes is how great and yeah. how value oriented Reagan is yeah. compared to Obama. He gives a damn. Reagan doesn't give a rat's ass. And I mean, look, sorry, and Obama does not give a rat's ass. Clearly, Reagan gives a damn. Well, and, and, he he, and he quoted a strong passage from a letter that he's received, yeah. or a wire he received, from the yeah. family of victims, talking about human rights, which Obama... That no, he, ever look, comes he, was, he was an American, Reagan. Obama's an anti-American. He doesn't relate. He doesn't understand. He doesn't appreciate the position he's in. People say, oh, he's a terrible president. He's, he's not a president. I think we've talked about that. Is he anti-president? He's not a president. He, he doesn't represent us. He is. He is not at all presidential. So you've got you've got nihilism in terms of whoever it is that's making this attack, unless unless it is the Ukrainians resisting Russia's takeover via targeting Putin. If it yeah. was that, okay, then no, I wouldn't say it's nihilistic. But anybody else, as far as I know, who are the potential, uh, if it's some random Muslims who just you know, not true to form. But he gave uh, 40 seconds, uh, Obama. Yeah, 40, 40 seconds, 38 seconds, attack. something like that. And and to come in and say, oh, I'm glad to be here in Delaware. Yeah. First is your first thing? Yeah. No. Well, the uh, the Fort Hood mask, remember that? Shout out to, you know, after the attack. Yeah. He gave a shout out to someone in the audience, literally. No, not allowed, not allowed. We've got a break here, and we'll be back in a few. Those of you here at Block Talk Radio, hang on. Blast y'all's ears out. <laughs> that, was, no transition. that was terrible. Bosch is telling me how terrible I am here. Amateur. <sighs> State Defiance over here in the chat room, Blog Talk Radio, is saying that we're being too tough on Obama. He obviously thought he was doing an interview on The View. Cut him some slack. <laughs> Speaking of The View, yeah, uh, that's where Marvel Comics chose to announce that Thor is now a woman. All right. What does The View have to do with comic books? We are we are going to discuss that by the way. We are going to discuss that by the way. You want to let's go ahead and take a call right now if we can. You want to do that? But by the way, again, the Duran Duran does sound like they do sound like music compared to Obama. You know, it, it sounds like true. actual like a like a music. You know? It is true. I, actually, you know, I do want to take a caller, but maybe I'm going to wait until after we have our little break right. here. One thing that we can talk about during this break, which for purposes Marvel. of Liberty Express, 
it is a commercial break, is Audible. Those of you who have been listening to me for a long time know that I do have a sponsor here on Blog Talk Radio. It is Audible. If you are not yet a subscriber to Audible, you can get a free trial. Go to the link at my blog at don't let it go, uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> don'tletitgo.com. What a horrible, horrible host I am right now. Don'tletitgo.com. That is my blog. And I do have a link for the Audible trial. Or you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock. And what are you listening to, Bosch, right now? The Life about Michael Jordan. So it's, it's called Michael Jordan, The yeah, Life? Michael Jordan, The Life. It's great. And you've been both reading it and yes. listening to the Audible. What yes. do you think of the Audible narrator for that good. book? Very, good, very, very good, yeah. Okay. It's not the author. No, no, right. no, it's not. It's, it's, it's a good voice. It's strong. Um, it, looks, it sounds like he's, he's involved. For people who have listened to Michael Jordan or read Michael Jordan books before, how, what makes this one different? It gets really deep, and it goes from, the, from all the way back to his uh, playing days in the elementary school. He was a serious baseball player. And they get also behind the scenes where people are a little more comfortable talking about things now than they would have years ago while, while he was playing, even if years. Now it's to the point where it's finished, and now they can say anything. And a lot of them, you know, some critical, some extraordinarily, I mean, just the way they praise him, it's pretty, it's unbelievable, actually. I mean, Larry Bird at the time even said that was God in Michael Jordan's shoes when Jordan had 63 points against the Celtics. And they just couldn't believe what he did. It's just, you know, he just reminds you how phenomenal a talent he was. I mean, that nobody touches it today. He had two 50-point games back-to-back, which no one ever, ever did in playoffs. Wow. Uh, Will Chamberlain never did that in, in the playoffs. I mean, just, it's just on and on about this great, great transcendent athlete. And in terms of transcending race, he was, the, I think, the first figure who truly, truly transcended race. No one thought of him, of him as a black man. Or, he, he was just Michael Jordan. Right, right. He was just the producer in terms of basketball. And there's nobody yeah. really like him today, right? No. No, there yeah. was uh, Kobe, you know, comes close, and this, the other guys, but no. And he never lost in, in the finals. Never. Right. Kobe has, LeBron has. Let me see if I can get this going. There was, there was no going back for uh, Jordan. Once he figured out how to win, nobody could match it. That's excellent. So that is the, uh, it's called Michael Jordan, The Life. Michael Jordan, The Life by Roland, Roland Lazenby. Roland Lazenby, the writer. And you can get it via Audible. So go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock if you are not yet a subscriber, and you can get that as your free book. We've got a little bumper, and we're going to be back in a second. I got the big thumbs up from Bosch there about doing that particular little bumper. Yeah. So that was great, nice. Great. Thanks again to Jezebel's for producing good music that not only serves as good bumpers for this, but also helps me to escape. Jonathan writes, uh, whenever someone has killed Obama, always uh, thanks them for their quote-unquote sacrifice. He says, that's creepy. It absolutely is. Yeah. Sacrifice, as if they, had, as if they made a decision to quote-unquote sacrifice their lives. It's like those on 9-11, uh, jumping from the towers. Um, they committed suicide. No, no, they didn't. They look back. They see fire. They say, well, you know, in that moment, I'd rather go out this way. They have no choice. Yeah, I don't, I don't They're know. They're going to die. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I couldn't even talk about that. Sacrifice. It's terrible. There was one story that I linked to at my blog today that we're going to talk about that I actually could not read. Bosch read it for me. It was a link that somebody shared with me on the Don't Let It Go on her page. So talk about nihilism, something that has a headline that's so horrifying yeah. to me that I can't even bring myself to read the actual story. Of course, there was a picture that went along with it, too. And uh, anyway, thanks to Jonathan Honig for participating here at the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. And thanks for kicking butt on cashing in every weekend, week yeah. after week. Telling the Se- truth, you know. Tell the truth. Tell, tell the guys. truth. <laughs> and we do have a call. Who's a call? Who's been holding for a while here? And I think I know who it is. Let me see. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Debbie. Hi, Hi Debbie. Debbie. Welcome back. Thank you. So, do you have anything so, to say uh, about our our wonderful dear leader? Uh, yeah, you know. Well, first of all, the um, boss has just mentioned right before the break. The comparison to how he announced the the Fort Hood massacre, which he later classified as workplace violence, in right. order to prevent the victims from getting the proper benefits. But you know, just he was at a similar kind of event and just kind of flatly read a statement about it, and then he gave a shout out to someone, and it was the same type of deal. And um, no, I can I can still I can still remember. That video clip and yeah, him talking about the shout out. Ugh. It was shocking. It was even even for him. But then, but then again, you realize he was friends with the terrorist Bill Ayers, who he's never renounced. So that's the nature of the man. Doesn't give a rat's ass about America or Americans' death. No, and and it keeps it, it reminds me of this thing that Leonard Peacock talked about in his talk, Modernism and Madness. Um, this characteristic that modernists share, that sort of nihilistic type modernists share with schizophrenic, which schizophrenic, which you uh, referred to as flat affect, just that they're completely without any emotion. They can't get aroused in any way emotionally, except rage occasionally. But right. just that they can, like they could say, oh, I just saw someone get hit by a truck, and um, then I went and ordered a burger at McDonald's or whatever. Like, they can just talk about these horrible events as if right. they were nothing. Right. And, and about the one thing, sorry, the only, he only reserves rage for those who are in his way politically. That's when he starts to fume. When, when, when power is being taken away from him in any way, that's when he starts to get angry. Right. That's, what, that's when we've seen him express emotion. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, and you know, I read the Associated books that that. that talk was based on it. It's very interesting, but just to get it again, things that I would read there would make me think of Obama and a lot of the very people on the left that are in that same vein as he is. The the flat affect and just the the rage and um, yeah, just total destructiveness. You know, I mean, you know, we could we could speculate as to what is causing his lack of appropriate reaction to this. I mean, one thought I had is maybe he's on some type of drugs that are just making him oblivious to the real world, just separating him from reality and and the consequences of all his horrible. Well, you know, we know he has a history policy. of drugs. Whether he still does them today, who knows? But I think a number of uh, people in the in the Senate and the Congress, who knows? You know, they should get drug tested. Believe me, there'll be some drug addicts in there. Pelosi, Reed, who knows? But I mean, you know, the fact we were just thinking about that, and Bosch was mentioning that 
if he does actually get angry and upset about something, then it's maybe just the fact that he's got a horrible hierarchy of values. Yeah. Yeah, that's affecting because he doesn't stay calm all the time. If he if he gets attacked in some way, for instance, right before Obamacare passed, when they were pushing it passed after Scott Brown had been elected, and there was concern that it might not get passed. I remember hearing him shout himself hoarse at a rally, telling people that they need to support it and they got to help him get it past the finish line. And, I mean, I, it was hysteria. Uh, he was not in it at all when it came to that. But it wasn't, it wasn't even passion, like, in a positive way, like someone who's really fighting for values. It was just this, this rage. It, it's kind of reminding me of James Taggart getting oh, yeah. upset when he's seen the potential failure of his nihilistic policies. And getting off when uh, Dagny shows passion, getting off on it. Right. Almost looking at it like he brought this forth and he, he observes it in a way where it's like a cold scientist observing emotion. Anyway, Reagan, you know, Reagan was not perfect, but boy, watching those oh. two videos in contrast to each other... Really? You have Superman and Lex Luthor. I mean, that's, that, that's what you have in this in this contrast here. Oh. Even though Obama's not as smart as Lex Luthor, but you know. Any, anything else on this topic, Debbie, or no? Yeah. Um, well, I was interested to hear your theory, or maybe it was something that you had cited from an article. But the theory that that it was Ukrainians trying to shoot down Putin, and that, that might because I've been just baffled as to what cause would be if it wasn't a terrorist attack. If it were, like Bob said, there'd be someone taking credit for it. But since that hasn't happened, it just I, I've been kind of baffled as to whether why anyone would shoot down a passenger jet. Like so Russia and Ukraine are at war. Why would someone Yeah, shoot I mean a you know jet? like I like I said, that theory is the only one that makes any potential sense to me because I'm not a nihilist. And so every other theory of what has happened with this passenger jet has to do with a nihilist just destroying values rampantly. Um, if you go to the headline, the story that is, did MH17 pilot divert into the danger zone? That's a link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. That takes you, I believe, to a Daily Mail UK story that has that as one of the subheads. And, and you might be able to check more about that there. But that is the only thing that would make any potential sense. You know, you'd say, okay, Ukraine is trying to defend themselves from being taken over by Russia, and so therefore they're targeting Putin, who was on his way back to Russia about the same time. They said that, I think, like the paths of the two planes crossed or something. You know, I, I read it to a certain extent, but not uh, into all of the details. And, and they were saying it was around the same time, the same type of path, and maybe they were targeting it. Uh, Robert Nasir yeah, in the chat room over here. Blog Talk Radio says, wrong plane in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, they are at war. It's, well, it's possible. Uh, sorry, sorry. Robert, uh, Robert NYC says regarding Obama, it, it's a quote, and uh, if you don't know it, you don't know it, uh, don't bother me, don't bother me, don't bother me. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's how he is. It's Barack, and, don't bother me, don't bother me, don't, don't bother me, Obama. Yeah, I forgot to add one thing. I had read that Reagan, with respect to that Korean airliner being shot down by the Soviets in, in 83, that Reagan was on vacation, yes. and he totally cut short his vacation and traveled back to deal with things. And here's Obama. Yep. He's keeping all of his fundraising dinners yeah. and speeches and, and Benghazi, the next day, he goes to that fundraiser in uh, Vegas with uh, Beyonce and that uh, rapper. 
He has absolutely no appreciation for values. And in fact, a lot of people are saying that he is actually trying to create a disaster at the end of his presidency. I, I mean, I don't know whether that's true exactly. But I don't know. We just shouldn't put anything past him or Pukin or any evil person. Joel in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says that drugs aren't necessary to explain his lack of affect. Nihilism will do that well, sure. just as well. But we know he has a history of it. We know he acts uh, sometimes just off, way off, way too down, like, it, like he's been taking some downers. Anything more on this? I'm going to grab another caller, if, uh, but I'll give you the last word, Debbie. Uh, no, I just um, that's that's all I wanted to say. Thanks very much Thanks for the call, for the point about nihilism and the modernism and madness speech. That was a good addition to today's topic, and we welcome you calling back anytime. Thank all right, bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, we have another caller here. We'll see who it is. Hi, who's this? Hey, Amy, this is Ed. How are you? I'm doing okay, given the barrage of bad news this week. How about you? I, I'm doing okay. I was at the Modernism and uh, talk at the Fort Hall Forum. It was uh, it was great. Um, the uh, the one thing I want to talk about is the you know is how how do you shoot down an airliner, right? I mean because these at shoulder thirty three thousand feet at thirty three thousand feet. These shoulder fired missiles um, only go up to ten or fifteen thousand, right? They don't go up that high. So what you need is what are called radar guided missiles, and Basically, in a radar-guided missile system, there are multiple vehicles. Some vehicles are launchers. Some vehicles are the radars themselves. And you need close coordination between all the vehicles in a battery um, to understand how to shoot down an aircraft at um, this kind of height. And so what it means is a well-trained army can do it. Mm. Not, it's not it's not a terrorist who grabs one of the vehicles with missiles and like points it in the sky and hopes it will hit. They they don't have that kind of seeker head. They can't they can't. It's not like it's infrared guided or anything. They're radar guided missiles, F three hundred missiles or um, FA twenties. Uh, so you need the radar and the planes have a track spotter, right? And they they say who they are, you know, I'm MH17, I'm MH17, they constantly do that. And, you know, an air defense system, you know, you look for that. Now, they might have thought that that was a lie, because, of course, you can program your transponders to say anything. And they might have thought, because they shot down a Ukrainian military transport plane, the, uh, you know, a week ago, they might, the Russians might have thought, well, this is another transport plane. Of course, it's coming from the wrong direction, right? And so when you have it on radar, you can see what direction it's coming from. It's, it's coming from Russia, right? I mean, look at the path of the plane. Oh, no, it's, I'm sorry. It's coming, it's coming from Ukraine towards Russia, right? So they thought right. it was, a, uh, they thought it was a, a transport plane, and then uh, the Russians shot it down. Thinking, I, I, don't think there's any, I don't think there's any win for anybody shooting down a passenger plane. I think the Russians just made a mistake. I mean, if you look up in the sky, which I'm doing right now, I see an airplane way high up. I, I see it I way up now. I happen to know it's a passenger plane because I'm near an airport. But, I mean, you can't even tell. You can't tell what kind of plane it is. You can't tell that it's a triple seven. You can't tell anything. It's a blip on a radar screen. It's coming from Ukraine. You think it's a military transport. You shoot it down. 
it was so i so mean if, I if, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's um if it's all this right. obvious i mean it, the case that you're presenting sounds perfectly reasonable why wouldn't russia admit the mistake and say we were reasonable in thinking that this was uh, you know, a military transport plane because, from Ukraine or whatever. Bad guys cover up everything well, that, that they can. Well, that's what happened. That's what happened with the United States when we, when we accidentally shot down that Iranian passenger plane in the in the Gulf. We were like, "Oh, damn, sorry. We thought mm-hmm. it, we, we misidentified it. There was a mistake. We couldn't. We're going to do our procedures. We're going to compensate even the people, even though they're right. you know our enemy. Um, but that's not the way Russia works, right? That's not the right. Soviet Union. I mean, it's reflexive secrecy, it's reflexive lying. And I think that's basically what it is. That has nothing to do with, you know, Putin's plane. That's just nonsense. That's absolutely, that's crazy. It was just, it was almost, I would say 90% probability that it was mistaken identification. At, but it was the Russians. It wasn't separate. So are you going to bet a pizza over this? Um, yeah, sure, I'll bet you. Okay, yeah, so if I, ever, if I ever see you in person, depending on how this comes out, then either I'm going to buy you a pizza or you're going to buy me a pizza. Yeah, I think that's probably, I think that's probably good. And, okay, so you're, uh, you're, you're, I, if you know, you're willing to bet a pizza on it, I mean, that's serious. That is serious, yeah, especially if you're doing one of your, you know, things where you can't eat pizza. I mean, that's just awesome. Um, you know, yeah, the I guess no, nobody really has to eat the pizza, but people have to just buy it, I guess, and smell it. Just I don't know. Buy, buy <laughs> Robert NYC yeah. in the chat room is offering gluten-free pizza. I don't know why I have pizza on the brain. I mean, I just thought, do you, do you not do you not eat pizza? Are you on the gluten-free kind of paleo-ish uh, spectrum? I, I don't. I I I don't do the paleo thing, but I, I've never particularly liked pizza. I, I don't know why. I just it's never been one of the things that I uh, particularly hate. I'm kind of a plain old meat and potatoes kind of guy. But okay, so meat, meat and potatoes it is of some kind. There Mita, we go. Then, pizza. All right. Pizza, yeah. As Mark writes in, pizza. Pizza. Yeah, but if you, if you don't like pizza, then you probably don't like pizza either. Probably. And if you don't like pizza, then yeah. it's very easy to go paleo. I wonder whether the Democrats aren't starting to be scared about the fundraiser chief thing. Uh, you wonder... Um, it's, you know, maybe they're brazen, you know, people like Harry Reid are brazen, but um, it's gotten to the point where, you know how they hammered George Bush for sitting in that classroom for six minutes on right. 9-11? Right. That minutes that he should not, you know, honestly, he should not have been in that classroom for those six minutes. They hammered him for those six minutes for every election they hammered him over that. And, I, I mean, what we have with Obama is just, unbelievable it's it's unbelievable what he's doing the the 42nd bit and then when he goes on to talk about he just joked about joe biden i mean that it it was it was disgusting now maybe some of the democrats are thinking like hillary clinton i saw a headline but i couldn't even bring myself to click on it that hillary clinton said oh that plane thing is just europe's problem okay Okay. yeah the um (laughs) the, the best tweet i saw on this was um if it turns out there was an archduke on that plane, we're in real trouble. Right. Um, right. World War One. Right. The hundredth anniversary of the start of World War One coming up next week, which right. was a war that was started by brazen incompetence by all the leaders of Europe. And if we look around, we I see nothing but brazen incompetence among all the leaders in our country, in Europe, 
in Russia, uh, we could blunder ourselves into another war for just idiocy, you know? So, so what you're telling me is that I'm really going to have to ramp up the progress on my book and stuff because it's the only way I'm going to keep my sanity if things go even more to hell than they already are? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I think we better make a date to buy each other the pizza soon. Is what I'm saying. Because you think you're going to be proved to be right. It's, it, it will have been Russia, and that's it. Yeah, it's probably not only Russia. It's probably from Russian territory too. And oh, by the way, the United States knows exactly where the shot comes. Came oh yeah, from. yeah. And exact. I mean, you know, we we know that already. It that was known immediately. Right. So, yeah, so not, not only was Obama sitting there being blithely numb to any sort of values or loss of life and everything else in that 40 seconds, he was lying because he already knew what the hell was going on, right? Absolutely. I mean, sure, I'm sure the CIA wants to, you know, check and double-check and triple-check all of their sources, but, you know, we have satellites. They look at things. That's the kind of thing they look at. And we knew immediately where that came from. Yeah. Well, so, thanks for uh, adding uh, adding to my misery here today, um, Ed. <laughs> and one one last thing. One last thing. I, I know it's not the good news segment, but I got to tell you, Australia repealed its carbon tax. Yes, yeah. I I've retweeted that and posted it out there, and then I guess I felt like I had had people. You know, please do follow me on Twitter and follow me on on Facebook and on the Don't Let It Go on Her page because I do during the week sometimes send little things out there, and then sometimes I don't get to them in my show if it's been several days. But yeah, I have kind of shared and liked and sent uh, retweeted and stuff out there a few times. That is an awesome story. Australia is looking better and better, and they speak English in Australia. Yeah. So, Apparently they do. What? So you know, I'll there. take. I'll see you guys next week. Okay, thanks very much, Ed, for calling in and for listening, and right. we will talk soon. If other people want to call in, it's seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven. That's the number. And make sure to go ahead and hit the little one button. Yeah, thanks very much, Ed, for giving us your uh, expertise on that. John Kenny is saying pot roast. Yeah. Probably pot roast would be a little more healthful than pizza, but pizza came to my brain. And I think that's part of the whole nihilist, the whole idea, yeah. you know. Obama, um, Obama stuffs his face with pizza and burgers and I know, french fries. I know parents who had this idea that, okay, they, they were going to have a kid, and then they were bringing their kid into such a horrible world that they would spoil that kid and give that kid basically whatever the kid wanted, candy and horrible food and everything, because they just felt bad for bringing the kid to a horrible world. And I'm kind of treating myself that way now. I'm thinking I I need to give myself pizza and other things. Well, also, just just in terms of the nihilism and also the lack of respect for the office, uh, look at Obama. He's skinny. I mean, he's skinny. And you think he eats that crap outside of the cameras? Maybe you know that's I mean? all he eats. No, but, no, but. Dude, I'll tell you, listen, when I was 19 years old, I managed a Sam Goody record store years ago, and I was horrible. I was thin, and on my lunch break, I would go down to the little candy store, yeah, several on, stores down, and I would get candy corn. I ate candy plus, corn for lunch. Yes, I ate like a punk when I was, you know, but he's 50 plus years old, is what I'm saying. It but I'm saying maybe that's you. all he eats. I doubt that. Just junk. I doubt it. I'm, and then, and then he like. I think he saved it for public consumption, for photographs. Look, look at the president. He's stuffing his face again like an mm-hmm. idiot. 
it's just again it's uh, again to diminish the office i just i assume that that's the case to diminish the office of the presidency to make him look like a clown <laughs> state defiance wants to ask whether i've had to f- walk five miles to school <laughs> in the snow barefoot no never that but i managed to see i'm goody's record store at 19 i was right. pretty proud of that Anyway, we should go on um, and talk about more of the yucky stuff in the world that's going on right now. And one is Israel. Israel has now decided that it must invade Gaza because of Palestinian rocket fire. And, of course, there was a supposed Egyptian-brokered ceasefire that Hamas quickly decided didn't apply to it. You mean butchers uh, decided not to abide? Right, right. So just just to kind of give you the official latest news, I gave you the Wall Street Journal story. The headline here says Israel invaded Gaza because of Palestinian rocket fire. But the reason that I actually clicked on the story and was interested in looking at it is because the headline on the Wall Street Journal website said that one Israeli soldier has already been killed in the ground invasion. And this is exactly what you think would have happened. I have had Facebook friend after Facebook friend perceptively post the truth, which is that really Israel has the complete moral right to forget a ground invasion. Do not go in there. Do not risk your soldiers' lives any more than necessary to eliminate the threat from Hamas which can be achieved by flattening. And you don't need to use nuclear weapons to flatten that whole area. Just flatten it. These people are showing you that they, there is no way to eliminate the threat of Hamas besides flattening this place. And if you think you can do it by doing the little knock you know, warnings you know what? or whatever and still eliminate the threat to your own civilians, okay. But I'm sick of Israel sacrificing itself and sacrificing its soldiers. And by the way, I mean... First of all, I think even in a voluntary military, a voluntary sign-up military like we have in the United States, we don't have a draft right now, even in that situation, you should not condemn your soldiers to needless risk. But at least those people sign on. In Israel, they are involuntarily drafted, and they're being sent in, and it is sacrificed. So as much as I support Israel, I think that they are not strong enough in in favor of their civilian interests. I'm going to read that. It's Doris Wise Montrose, a friend of mine on Facebook. That yeah, Dor- Doris Wise Montrose on Facebook, she posted this. It's a quote right from Sun Tzu. Yep, yep. There is no instance of a nation benefiting from prolonged warfare. What is essential in war is victory, not prolonged operations. It's a simple little thing, and it's uh, what, what Sherman um, did in, in, uh, in the Civil War. Get it over with now. Once he took once he took charge, get it over with him was what three or four months I think he uh, burned down the enemy and that was that. That's yeah. how you do it. You bring the war to them, the hard hand of war. He called it Sherman. Yep, and that and that's what needs to be done by Israel against Hamas because you know, it, it is Hamas has made it very clear it is Israel or them. War is an abomination. It is, it is horrific. Why the hell try to civilize it? You know what I mean? We have to civilize war somehow. Make it uh, less horrific. No, it's horrific. Right. Get over with quick. And what we're going to talk about at the top of the next hour are a couple pieces of commentary, both of them very good. One, I have a little bit more bias toward than the other, and you'll hear why on the other side. But uh, the first is moral clarity in Gaza 
and that is written by Charles Krauthammer, and he brings some of the history to bear on the situation. And then there's a piece at Breitbart.com by Alain Giorno of the Ayn Rand Institute, who brings up the actual just war theory that Israel and everybody else is being judged by, and that really only Hamas is benefiting from the application of just war theory. I in like this that context. Breitbart uh, published that. That's very good. I think it's really good. I think that the Ayn Rand Institute is getting better and better placements for better and better articles. For these, uh, quote unquote, you know, radical ideas right. that, 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 that people consider to be radical. And I love seeing that out there. I definitely yeah. do. Okay, so we are going into our little six minute news break slash blog talk radio soiree here and we'll see you here on blog talk radio and if not i'll see you on the other side of the break Now that song is called The End, so <laughs> how is my brain working today, Posh? I don't know. Um, so did I do okay with that bumper? Yeah, I think I, I did, did okay good. with that bumper here? It's a pretty appropriate time. <laughs> okay. So much Can for that. I, tr- I turned our microphones okay. off. <laughs> that was smooth. It was smooth until I turned our microphones off. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. John, John said the New York Times will complain about overreaction. Yeah, they they keep saying that you know Israel is really doing too much, and you got you got you're facing guys who would nuke you if they could. Right. They would, of course, they nuke themselves, but they don't care because then they'll go to paradise. Well, you this know is who they're facing. One story that I saw had to do with the drones, and I had posted this on the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook, and people are pushing around Twitter and stuff. Who in the world is giving Hamas the drones? Now, Ken Gardner speculated it must be Iran. Hamas is saying, oh, well, we developed our own drones, but I don't believe that. They're drones. How can drones develop drones? (laughs) So I I don't know how Hamas gets drones, but Israel has struck down two of these drones. I mean, this is getting serious. They have drones? Look, everyone funds terrorism, quote-unquote Palestinian terrorism. We do. The Saudis do. Iran does. Everyone does. Right. And Israel sometimes helps them in certain ways also. They give them, uh, you know, money for food and whatnot, which they turn into weapons. This is sick. I mean, it has to end. But it'll go on and on and on until, uh, I don't know, until Israel finally shows the world what has to be done to, to, to these kind of butchers. It says, to, to hell with the world. Craig is joining us over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. So welcome. I guess he just came in a little bit late. So he was way more fashionably late than you were, Bosch. Right. That's right. I was five minutes late. Not bad. So I wanted to continue the discussion with Mark Wickens that we were having in the beginning of the hour, and you missed most of this. Okay. So Mark says he is also an OmniFocus user, and in particular he's using OmniFocus 2, which I've been using too. And so I was going to ask you, Mark, is OmniFocus 2 that much better than OmniFocus 1 in terms of being more intuitive to use or do you think that maybe I'm just evolving in my actual ability to grasp and, and do GTD or just not grasp? Because there, when you try to change, just instill bad habits, 
it takes a while and there's like a certain point where you're actually ready to make certain leaps in your progress. And when you're ready, I think the things are going to seem easier and better. Mark says it is better. So, so it could be that they're providing me a, a tool that I feel like I can live out of that tool much better than living out of my email folders. I, I do remember that I've, I've listened to some GTD seminars, you know, the David Allen Company seminars, and they have suggested, yes, you could use folders in your email box as a list manager. And I was trying to do that, and it would seem like I would just end up with a secondary inbox of unprocessed stuff. And I think if you actually send it over into OmniFocus and you put an action title on it and you assign it to projects and stuff, it's less likely to slip through your grasp. Of course, again, check with me in a week and I'll tell you how I'm doing with it. But I'm keeping inbox at zero, which is awesome, and um, keeping much more on top of things. And, and like I said, Scrivener, And if you're writing, if you have a big writing project and you're trying to keep on a schedule with respect to a deadline, that Scrivener is great. They have this little project target thing and you can modify it. You'd say, well, okay, I'm not going to work on Saturdays. So if I don't work on Saturdays, how many words do I have to put in per day? And the kind of modification that I'm making is that I know that the school semester is going to start towards the end of August. So right now I'm actually overshooting what the software is telling me that I need to put in there right. because I want to make it easier on myself in the second half. And once you get in a groove, though, it yeah. does help. Because then you just start going and going and going. Right, right. But I also know, so with my project, some of the things that I'm doing is rewriting or just editing yeah, lightly here. because it's stuff that's been published before. It's lectures. So it, with that stuff, it's a lot easier for me to overshoot whatever target I have. And I know that later in the book where I've got one or two fresh chapters I'm going to have to write again, that I'm going to want a lower word count per right. day to deal with at that point. So I'm, I'm purposefully kind of, you know, making sure that I put more words per day, say like a thousand words per day at least in versus 800. And that's kind of where I'm going. So uh, Mark says, yeah, lots of little changes. And now we are back to the topic of the uh, Israel and Hamas conflict, which we're going to talk about again after the break here. Um, anything else before we get back into the show proper, Bosch? No. No? I mean, I got a lot, but I just... I don't know. In terms of I'm gonna, Israel, I'm what they're going through. I'm going to use peer through. pressure and get you to use OmniFocus, I think. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's something to think about. Peer pressure, peer yeah. pressure. I mean, that's definitely something to think about. But, just... but see, you're an artist, right? So you don't think you need to be organized? No, I do. I definitely <laughs> do. Even more so. Even more so. The artist in me says, what the hell? Let me just wing it. But no, it doesn't work. And yeah, I was going to say, how well does that work for you? Probably not so well. You know, sorry, this one person said, I only write when I'm inspired, and I make sure I'm inspired 9 a.m. every morning. Right, yeah. and this is the kind of thing that something like Scrivener can keep you on target with. Okay, we're going to go ahead and have a bumper, and we'll see you on the other side. So, Bosh, the uh, next level of trying to do smooth bumpers is to not announce that you're doing a bumper. <laughs> yes, that's even smoother. Like left leg, right leg, this walk. This is the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard. We are on the July 28th, no, 28th, 18th. Yes. Please don't let it be July 28th yet. I've got so much work to do. Well, an July hour passed, so I thought you did put the, I thought you did just, just push us into the future. I can't believe an hour passed. 
it, the it, hour of the show has already passed. It has. And the other oh. thing is, how can I be in a decent mood when we're talking about such bad news? That's the other thing. Am I Obama? No. We're alive and... Yeah. yeah, but I mean, we're also, I guess, breaking it up with the with the better stuff. But there, let's, are, let's, there is good news out there, no matter and it's hard. There still is. What I, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about some good perspectives that you can find out there in the media on the Israeli and Hamas or so-called Palestinian conflict. And one is from Charles Krauthammer. I know you don't like him particularly. I'm not crazy about him. I think he's an elitist snob. But he is a lot better than the left, know that about it, but he seems to be like a typical old-style Democrat. That's what he is. And he's, he's open to big government and they're taking care of people. He, and, and he met Obama last year. Why the, you know, as if Obama has anything to say that's worthwhile for a guy on the right. As if. Yeah, I, I could not meet with Obama. It's I mean, impossible. It would He's be, a bad guy. Imagine, You're here, sanctioning him. Here I am. I'm a little struggling talk show host out here, you know, and what a, what a coup it would be. Unless you can no, grill No, but, him. okay, I was thinking about this, right? I was thinking, I was really thinking about this, because you think, you, oh, I'm going to grill him. No, but what you, would you get out of I him? Know, no, 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 what I'm saying is, unless you can, and the answers, of course, there's nothing okay, worth it. Okay, but there's it. no such thing. No, you can't. <laughs> Unless you have Wonder Woman's lasso, you know, where he has to, to you know, tell, tell the truth against his will. Maybe uh, if you got to get that. That's about it. Leave it to a comic book guy to, like, <laughs> just fantasize But isn't it cool? Wonder Woman has a lasso which makes men tell the truth, makes bad guys tell the truth. Right. Like truth serum of some kind. Yeah. It would be good to, to give him. But otherwise, I don't see. I mean, he would definitely gain more just by put him on looking a like he's no, confronting him on, his critics. Put him on a lie, de- you know, a, a lie detector doing an interview and have the video shot of the, of the lie set, you know, while he's answering. Now, Ed in the chat room he says, it's heartwarming to think of flattening or nuking Gaza, but it's not an actual solution to the military no problem. Um, I mean, flattening certain areas of it. No, but if you know where Hamas is, yeah, bomb them. And if there are, quote, unquote, innocent, innocent civilians there, well, they shouldn't have been there. They brought them there specifically. You know, this one guy was on, was on CNN with uh, Sheep Blitzer. That's his name, right? Sheep Blitzer. <laughs> he was there. He was asking a guy from Israel, talking to him, and, and he said, the guy said, look, they have a dining room, a living room, and a bombs room right. in, in the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. That's what they have. And that, you know, they keep having missiles from homes. What do you think? Because they're not, they're, they're not homes, they're enemy bases. Do you think that the UN is coming around to being more sympathetic to Israel? And the evidence is, is that I guess it was the UN that reported that they found 20 missiles in a school in Gaza, that they're hiding missiles in their children's schools in Gaza. And even the UN has decided, okay, why this would is they just announce too that? Much. I mean, I, why? You know, it, it, it helps Israel, it hurts the. Also, this idea that Hamas has any moral weight, that's a shocking thing to me. These are cutthroat terrorists. That's the government of the quote-unquote Palestine. Okay, so now Ed in the chat room is saying the air power cannot conquer territory or root out the protected Hamas terrorists. Only people on the ground can. Here's the thing. You can bomb them to the extent that they surrender and then come in. Yeah. But as it stands, when they're they are sending Israelis in there to die. <laughs> Look, One Israeli soldier sent in this ground operation has already died. And the reason that he's died is because they decided that they didn't want to protect yes. the, quote, innocent civilians that, as Gustav in the chat room here says, the pathetic that Bush. these people voted Hamas in. The pathetic George Bush during the Iraq war, they had, they had to go house to house to find terrorists. 
The yeah. first guy in is he gets his head blown off. Why the hell would we jeopardize American soldiers like that? Right. right. Why? And, and for, for for the enemy. And 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 to talk about this philosophy, this just war theory that you know tells Israel that it should be operating in this way, that it should mm-hmm. be sacrificing its soldiers who are drafted. They're yes. drafted. They don't yes. even sign up for this voluntarily. It's terrible. But first, let's talk quickly about the, the Krauthammer piece, because I like the Krauthammer piece. He, he talks about the fact that there's moral clarity in this conflict. It is completely 100 percent clear. trying to equate Germany with, uh, with the Kronoko Palestinian areas. Palestine is a, is, is a little ghetto. I mean, it's not a country, and it's not an industrialized country. It's not. So you can find out where these scum are and bomb them. They have offices that are well-known. You bomb the offices of Hamas. You bomb the offices, the offices of Fatah and all the scum. You let them know that it's over. We can, do, we can demolish you if we want. We can do it overnight. Well, and not that and we then can, they but will that surrender. we will, yes. that we actually will. Because to now them, exactly. Hamas knows that Israel no, will finish the job. They're counting they will not, that, that yeah. Israelis will come door to door and get their heads blown off. They're counting well, on that. Well, and then um, I can't remember. And, they, and they, will, they will celebrate that. Oh, we killed an Israeli soldier. Well, and, and the other thing that I can't remember uh, exactly who said it, it may have actually been Krauthammer in here. The, the idea is that they've got these, usually, except for, I don't know who gave them these drones, but most of the missiles that they've been bombing over and, you know, lobbing over into Israel have been these little piddly things that can't really do much damage. And so then what's the purpose of doing it? The purpose, supposedly, is to get Israel to shoot back and therefore hit some of the civilians and therefore they can take the civilian casualties, yeah. put them up in front of television audiences all over and the as, world. As Michael uh, Ramirez, remember the one, the one cartoon right. I sent you? He has uh, a terrorist with a missile in his back. He has death to Israel, and he's carrying a dead baby. Why? There, yes. is, there is a link to that cartoon in the program notes for today's show over my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Definitely check out that cartoon. I'm a butcher. That's, I'm, that's what they're doing. I, I kill innocents, but you kill the baby? It's, it's like, it's like this, this one moment in the 300, the movie. A father, I guess, accepts that he brings his son to war with him, right? His son dies. He overreacts to the point he loses his mind. It's like, this is war. I mean, this is war, and you brought it on. Not, not, the, not the 300 brought it on, no. The Persians is. But, but, but what here is more insidious is that they're doing it specifically yes. to get some of their, yeah, to get their civilians killed so yes. that they can serve Deliber- as props. They don't value life. To get the world to side with them in the, you know, court I mean, of public opinion. Israel is fighting an enemy who wants to kill itself in order to kill Israelis. That's it. You can't, you can't fight a normal war with that. You have to bomb them to smithereens with sheer force right. to the point where they, they basically submit to Israel, not, not to Allah anymore. I mean, you know, again, what is the standard? And I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here because it's in, it's in Alain Journo's piece over at Breitbart.com. But the, the moral standard is to eliminate the threat against your country, against your civilians, with minimal loss of life on your side as possible. Yep. Your moral duty is not the civilians on the opposing side. That is the fault of the aggressors, and here the aggressors are Hamas. I, I love there was this one little tweet, and I retweeted it over on my Twitter at Amy Peacock, and it was, uh, oh, I can't remember who actually tweeted it out originally. It, it ended up in my feed. And they, they had something about Israel under fire. That was the tag, and everyone was coming up with some sort of a quote to criticize Hamas. And Hamas said, well, you know, it all began when he hit me back. 
when he hit me back. It I all like began that. when he hit me back. I like and it. And it was, it was perfect because it's like exactly it. what's Excellent. going on here. Um, let me quote to you a little bit from Krauthammer because I really like how he brings in history. Yes, it's only 10 years worth of history, but it seems that... A thousand years of Jew hatred within Islam. Yeah, I know, I know. In our, in our country, people don't even have 10 years worth of history in their, in their minds. So he says, apologists for Hamas attribute the bloodlust to the Israeli occupation and blockade. And he says, occupation, does no one remember anything? It was less than 10 years ago that worldwide television showed the Israeli army pulling diehard settlers off synagogue roofs in Gaza as Israel uprooted its settlements, expelled its citizens, withdrew its military, and turned every inch of Gaza over to the Palestinians. He should put that in quotes. Uh, There was not a soldier, not a settler, not a single Israeli left in Gaza, and there was no blockade. On the contrary, Israel wanted this new Palestinian state to succeed. Self-sacrifice. To help the Gaza economy, Israel gave the Palestinians, should be in quotes again, its 3,000 greenhouses that had produced fruit and flowers for export, gave it to them. Israel opened border crossings and encouraged commerce. The whole idea was to establish the model for two states living peacefully and productively side by side. No one seems to remember that simultaneous with the Gaza withdrawal, Israel dismantled four smaller settlements in the northern West Bank as a clear signal of Israel's desire to leave the West Bank as well uh, and and thus achieve an amicable two-state solution. Not ancient history nine years ago, he says. And how do the Gaza Palestinians react to being granted by the Israelis what with no previous ruler, neither Egyptian nor British nor Turkish, had ever given them? They were given an independent territory, plus obviously some valuable infrastructure. First, writes Krauthammer, they demolished the greenhouses. Then they elected Hamas. Then, instead of building a state with its attendant political and economic institutions, they spent the better part of a decade turning Gaza into a massive military base, brimming with terror weapons to make ceaseless war on Israel, etc. So instead of roads and infrastructure, it says they built mile upon mile of underground tunnels to hide the weapons. And when the going gets tough, they also hide their military commanders in these tunnels. They spent millions importing and producing rockets, launchers, mortars, small arms, even drones now. They deliberately placed these weapons in schools, hospitals, mosques, and private homes to better expose their own civilians, etc. So I like that Krauthammer is pointing out exactly what Hamas has done, that it has absolutely no moral justification for what it's doing, that Israel is completely in the right here. What I don't like from Krauthammer... Did Krauthammer just learn this, though, because everyone's been writing this for years? I'm not impressed with Krauthammer. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I it's like. It's nice that he did this, but I just, you know, he's such a. I, I like the way that he snob. puts it. Now, what I what I don't like is that he seems to, in his first paragraph, accept the self, you know, the self-sacrificial yes. Yes. military techniques that is, Israel is employing in this conflict. At the beginning, he says, Israel accepts an Egyptian-proposed Gaza ceasefire, which they should have done. Hamas keeps firing, of course. It's like and then he says, cover almost. Uh, Hamas deliberately aims rockets at civilians. Israel painstakingly tries to avoid them actually telephoning civilians in the area and dropping warning charges, so-called roof-knocking. Which, which John Stewart made uh, light of and laughed about. Him and his sick audience laughed, and Mark Levin uh, took up the task, making jokes about it. These are lives being wasted here. Ed in the chat room says that, yes, air power is crucial. And yes, if you can just send bombs, send bombs. But excuse me, he believes that 
in this type of conflict that you would have to actually do some sort of ground invasion. Yeah, after you flatten them, right. After, I, I after would, you flatten their offices, I would after say you flatten they, yeah. uh, you know, their, after you flatten the, the area that they're most like cockroaches in, they would then have, you walk in. They would have to do a lot more of an offensive first, I think, before you yeah, exactly. bring the ground troops in and not put them in an unnecessary it's like, risk. It's like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, not flattening the enemy before you go in. We didn't do that. Remember the shock and all that never came? It never came. Our soldiers were dying like, like nothing. Just getting just, just, just sniper killed because we didn't take care of business, because we didn't scare the hell out of them. Yep, yep. So while I think that Krauthammer goes pretty far in explaining the case. Well, he can only go so far. Exactly. He can, and it's safe for him to write this down because people he, have written it before. Right, and he can go only so far because he accepts at root, yeah. as evidenced by his piece there, he accepts at root the just war theory yeah. that is right now governing Israel's conduct. This might it's not... self-sacrificial decision to do the ground invasion, I think, sooner than it should. It also gives yeah. them cover. It's like when the people uh, want to talk up, quote-unquote, moderate Muslims, say, well, it gives me cover if I do that. I mean, it gives them cover to say, well, Israel is uh, making sure that they're painstakingly trying to save civilian lives, so therefore it's, it's okay. It's good right. what they're doing. And then we get Elon Giorno's no-holds-barred, hard-hitting piece over at Breitbart, how the international laws of war abet Hamas, I love that language, yeah. abet, yeah. undercut Israel. Even as a proposed truce fails, Giorno writes, and Israel's military is set to intensify retaliation against the barrage of Hamas rockets, the admonitions have started. The UN's High Commissioner for Human Rights has expressed, quote, serious doubt that Israel's military strikes comply with international norms of war. But it is the laws of war themselves that must be questioned. He says the international laws of war are widely esteemed as necessary to civilize warfare by limiting the humanitarian impact of armed conflict. They mandate, for example, the avoidance of harm to non-combatants and the, quote, proportional use of retaliatory force. And then, of course, he goes on to say that the harm to non-combatants, if that happens, is the fault of the aggressors, in this case Hamas, and how ridiculous it is to insist on the, quote, proportional use of retaliatory force. Of course, Israel has much more force at its disposal than does Hamas, and Giorno writes later in the piece that basically from the outset, Israel is put on the defensive with respect to justifying its conduct because it has so much more force at its disposal. And the whole time you're supposed to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, how can I pull my punches this week and not get people mad at me because I'm trying to defend myself? Any, you know, halfway well-equipped nation who is engaging in a war in self-defense these days is going to be called under scrutiny based on these laws of war. Um, now, in terms of you know Israel going through and, and dropping the leaflets and doing the roof knocking and stuff, Giorno writes this. He says, for Hamas and allied Islamists, these Israeli measures are a tactical gift. For example, during the 2008-09 Gaza War, Hamas deliberately stashed weapons and ammunition, including grad missiles, in private homes. And it continues to do that and to situate rocket launchers in densely populated areas. Last week in an interview on Al-Qaqsa TV, Al-Aqsa TV, I think, a Hamas spokesman called on Palestinians to climb to their roofs to serve as human shields against Israeli bombardment. I saw this video myself. 
And it says uh, some Palestinians eagerly do this. There's actual video footage, and it's really haunting and horrible. You see bombs coming down, and then you see the on the kind of radar or whatever the view is, it's some sort of a overhead view, and you see just dark little figures that you know are human beings, and they are actually moving toward the area where the bombs are being dropped. I mean, how horrific that people are asking their citizens to do this. When a rocket lands, he writes, Hamas and its allies can stand next to corpses of its accomplices, portray them as civilians, and scream about Israeli quote-unquote war crimes. So it was Alon who was writing about this, and I'm not surprised, actually. Um, That's exactly the topic of the Ramirez cartoon. Here is, you know, the Hamas soldier, and he's holding the corpse. He's a soldier's terrorist. Well, okay. Sorry. Sorry, thank you. Thank you for coming back and, and correcting my Sorry. language. Who knows what horrible language I must have used while you were gone. Because they say, you know, it's, it is soldiers versus terrorists. Right, right. It's not and a it's, war of soldiers versus soldiers. No, it's not. It's definitely not. So, you know, here he is. He's holding the body of a casualty, the, the terrorist is. And, you know, why? Well, yeah, why? It's because it's your fault. Yeah. And... And again, uh, do you ever see Israelis showing babies up in the air and, and crying, taking pictures with with the whole crowd? No, they don't do that. They value life. They, their human life is not, you know, are not props. They're props. This is really crazy. In any event, last time in the 2008-9 conflict, there was a Goldstone report which basically took all of Hamas's allegations at face value, presumed Israel's guilt, and Giorno writes that the author of this, Judge Richard Goldstone, later backtracked from the report, but I bet that didn't get the coverage that the initial report got, right? Um, if the past is prologue, expect a replay, he says. Following Operation Protective Edge, legions of laws of war enforcers at NGOs and the UN will doubtless vilify Israel yet again for, quote, war crimes, while downplaying and turning a blind eye to the heinous tactics and goal of Hamas and its allies. I mean, Hamas is on record calling for the destruction of Israel. How much more yeah. clear can you get that they have said, it's us or you, it's That's us their mission. or you. And what happened when it was one guy or the other at the end of the latest Superman movie, Bosch? Yeah. Even Superman yeah. said, okay, if you really say that it's me or you, yeah. then sorry, okay. it's you. Yes. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> And, and this is what Israel needs to come down to and say. Now, here's one thing. I, let me ask you this, Bosch, because I'm a little bit hopeful about Israel turning the so-called court of public opinion in its favor this time versus 2008-09 because I have seen the is, is it IDF, Israeli Defense yeah. Forces, yeah. using social media okay. very effectively. Interesting. I have seen IDF posts. On Facebook, I mean, they where have, at they every stage seen... of the game, they're talking about the moral justification for what they're Good. doing. They're talking about how Hamas is putting that in maybe watershed moment because yeah. the quote unquote the savages. No, I'm sorry, the savages, the quote unquote Palestinians, as they call them, have used social media, have used every form of propaganda that they possibly can, and it has worked. Israel just just stepped back and did the military part, and maybe a president said some words about you know that's about it. But people see politicians as liars, so no matter what. But when you have people like like the I think the Israeli I think he's uh, what is he uh, he speaks to Netanyahu I don't I don't know what what position he was but he went with uh, Sheep Blitzer on CNN and Sheep Blitzer tried to completely try to you know basically he was speaking for quote unquote Palestinians and this guy didn't budge 
he stood by his position, and he's the one who said, you know, they have live rooms, they have died rooms, and they have bomb rooms, the quote-unquote Palestinians. This is what we're facing here. Sounds like a, a friend of Ted Cruz, you know, somebody right? who can go in the lion's den on these shows yeah. and not get flustered. No, not at all. He kept going, and I've seen a number of individuals do that, and that, that might be new, actually. I think you're right. Let me ask you one more question, because uh, the Krauthammer piece, whatever you think yeah. of Krauthammer... I was surprised that a piece describing that there does exist moral clarity, that it is right. not, you know, that you've got these two countries that are equal and it's just, no. you know, this never anymore. You know, Krauthammer is taking a firm position on this. Washington Post publishes it. Does that mean anything to you? The Washington sure. Post would publish that? It does. It okay. does. That, that title and uh, what's happening here. And I don't think Israel is getting the heat that it usually gets. I think, and uh, I'm wondering if it's because they are conducting a good publicity campaign, so to speak, that they true. are going out there and morally justifying themselves on a daily basis Muslims, at every you know, turn. And Muslims are their worst spokesmen. They don't help themselves in anything, especially what they're doing with – I mean, think about it. Think about it. Since, since 9-11, all these horrific attacks, but then you got ISIS. Then you have ISIS threatening that the uh, publisher of the 99 comic book. Right. Then you have uh, the other ones, the um, – the Boko Haram. People are getting a little sick of this. Hollywood stars are getting uh, outspoken against Sharia law. This might be, might be something. I hope it is. I mean, let, let's hope it's not too little too late. I mean, that's really the biggest thing in the world. But... Well, it, I don't think it'll be too late. I mean, once we decide to crush the enemy, it, it's over. I mean, the enemy will be over. Uh, jihad is, is done once we decide that. You know, it, it's not a point of, well, you know, we can't. No, once we decide to defend ourselves, then it, their jihad is done. I mean, that's, that's a fact. Will we? That's a question. Right, right. And, and have we propped them up with our money and our, our we weapons? Have. To, the point to is just to hopefully, hopefully they don't set up a nuke in a, in a civilized country. Right. That, that's the hope. Right. And a lot because we are allowing them to. We have set them up to do it. We have allowed Iran to build a nuke for, for how long? Well, and if, if it's really the case, what some of our listeners were talking about earlier in the show, that... We're in about the same situation that, that we were in prior to World War One. Yeah. That right. seems rather ominous, particularly because of the weapons that people have at their disposal well, we have are much more destructive yeah. than they were at yeah, the time exactly of World right. War I. I mean, if, if Hitler had a nuke, he wouldn't use it. Oh, no, of course he would. Against England, against us, of course. Of course he would. Of course he would. Aye, aye, aye. So I don't even know where to, to go with this, but we are going to talk about actually comics next and that's going to give us a, a little bit of a different focus at least maybe not very optimistic though right Bosch? no no okay i love comics but then we have to make sure and leave plenty of room for the good stories at the end okay yeah. okay here we go we're going to have a little bit of a break here and we'll be right back Jezebel's Dark Storm, for those of you who are keeping track of how many Jezebel songs I play on my show. <laughs> so we're in our little kind of bottom of the hour break here. And I think we've talked about all of the non-show 
things that we have. Any anything else that we have forgotten to, to update people on projects and things like that? I've got the Ayn Rand bot app that I'm still working on, and there are a couple of tweaks that the developer is implementing right now. There was an interesting kind of problem that we ran into because I use comma delimited files in order to run the Ayn Rand bot on Twitter, and having a file delimited with a comma apparently doesn't work when you're programming the app very well, and so I've figured out a way around that. That's pretty easy. But just little things like that where the result doesn't look exactly like what you want, and you want to figure out how you can make it work and yet look like what you want it to look like, because the whole point of this is to make it look elegant, and it's basically going to give you a quotation per day, give you the option to share it out there in the world, and within the app, it's going to give you citations. It can't give an exact page citation because where it's going to link you to is going to be in the iBooks, the electronic book, so it's not really a page, but it'll give you where applicable, maybe uh, which chapter it is or which essay title it is from Ayn Rand's work. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. When it, it, finally, it looks great. It yeah. looks great on the phone. And it's going to be a 30-day free trial when it finally debuts. So do follow me somewhere. Follow me either on Twitter, go over, don't let it go on her page on Facebook. You can click follow right here on Blog Talk Radio. My blog at don'tletitgo.com. If you're visiting already, checking out the program notes, just click subscribe, and then you'll be sure to see when that comes out. In the meantime, you can follow the Ayn Rand bot on Twitter. I just rebooted that little thing. I I love that I figured out how to get that going out there. At first, I was actually personally myself doing the tweeting, and so it was in little fits and starts. You know, here I was, you know, would tweet like five things and then not for a few hours, and then go back and. If anybody is doing anything else with their life, they don't have the time to sit there all the time on, on Twitter. So anyway, it's kind of fun. What do you think? Anything else, Bosch? You've got Chapter 3 you're working on yeah. on The Infidel? Yes. It's, yeah. um, I'm, I, I intend to be done by next week with the, with the script. With the script. And then, the script, yeah. and then uh, just start drawing it. And uh, again, each, each um, stage gets easier. The writing's the toughest. And then from there. So each stage will get a little, a little more quick, and it's just it's a point about I got all the scenes laid out, I got dialogue, but it's a point about getting it exactly as I want it to be. I mean, I try to get all the words, and then even when I start the letter, though, I clearly refine. Even at that stage, it's like I'm not setting out to edit, but I clearly start writing it better in my head. And sometimes I even say the words out loud to to see if they come off well. Record them and listen back. So you'll actually record them and yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. See if it works. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you're striking me as a little bit of a perfectionist in your work, maybe. I am. I guess that's good in some yeah. ways. And maybe like the Jezebels, you uh, you have to have the manager to tell you, okay, it's done. You've got to let it out that's the door. Right. Remember when Haley Mary right. was talking about right. that? Okay. Well, we have got one more long segment. We've just got a little bit of a musical prelude to that, and we'll talk to you in a second. Okay, you're listening to Amy Peekoff, and I've got Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. This is Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is our last segment in which we are going to try our darndest to get through the rest of the stories that we have linked to over at DontLetItGo.com. So listen if you're in for quite a ride here. So we were talking about the issue of 
Israel and the conflict with Hamas and how we are seeing, at least in the media, more support for Israel. Uh, I, I was I was actually very impressed that Breitbart published that piece from Alain Journo because Alain Journo is, I think, unique of the commentators out there in questioning the entire just war theory regime. And the whole the whole thing about just war theory that you know it is taught in all of our military educational institutions. Yeah. It is the dogma that's out there. And as Giorno talks about, in the, I'm just paraphrasing him here, but he's saying that they spend so much time studying this and making sure that their conduct is in line with it, and then they are held to blame even more, whereas Hamas just flouts the whole thing and then everybody's on Hamas's side. And it is ridiculous. I mean, Israel really does its very best and I, like I say, I think actually adhering to just war theory in that type of situation is uh, suicidal. How come you got the 24 theme? Is that, is that our time running out? No. What is it? Are we going to talk about 24 at all? Oh, God, we should talk about 24. Sorry. Talk about nihilism, right? Oh, no, what's that? Okay, that's you. Oh, no, where is it? It's over there. Oh, no, that's terrible. Oh, God. I'm I'm so failing I'm failing the host test well, of every single thing. Today. Well, we're both that. I put on the 24 thing and you put on that. But 24 just finished uh, its ninth season. It's uh, it's actually like a like a this is like a special season. Only 12 episodes, 12 hours. It was uh, four years after the last uh, season eight ended, and uh, great stuff. A great season. Very muscular. Do, not a lot we, of fat. But do we want to give spoilers not, without warning no, people no, and not no, doing not it a lot of the fat. Of the show? It was okay. to me. It was one moment that I think it was the moment of the entire series. Arguably, right. just in terms of a punch in the gut, uh, a, a big you know hurrah. But then uh, last episode. Happened to pick up. Basically, it, it, it mimicked a few episodes. Before, I mean, a few seasons. You know, it was like at least three times this certain thing happened. You know, like oh, let, 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 let's just say that nihilism is an appropriate title for this week's show. If we also talk about the twenty-four finale, how about that? Yeah. Okay. Let's go on <laughs> because I don't want to give any more spoilers about twenty-four. No, but check it out. It's definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. With the little um, caveat that the end has a little. Some bad writing, especially one scene, really bad. I said, "Boo!" Yeah, just bad writing, and it, and it was so obvious. It was like you, you, you could even tell the actress who was reading the dialogue didn't quite believe it. You know, I mean, she was probably arguing with the writers, like, "I can't say that." That's ridiculous. But, so tell us a little bit, Bosch, about what's going on in comics and then also in basketball right now in terms of an egalitarian sort of nihilist bench. Well, you know, the NBA is trying to have parity in the league, trying to basically make everyone competitive, even the even the bad teams who aren't willing to spend. And sometimes I think they even – it's a socialistic idea because I think they even get the good teams and sometimes end up get, giving money to the bad teams. You know, there's, 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 there's a transfer. And the worst teams get the first pick in the draft, which I guess is okay because it makes them some semi-competitive from from day one. And the drafts don't necessarily guarantee that they're going to win. Sometimes the drafts are are a bust. But right now, uh, in terms of uh, the league and their team, teams are capped. They have maybe sixty plus million dollars they could spend in in, in, the, in the next year. And if they give their star player twenty something million dollars, which they're capped, I think, to spend that as, as well, they can only pay I think the major star a certain amount of money, twenty something million dollars, period. So then they only have uh, a certain amount of money left, so, so they can't get their teams to really, really compete. You know the. I mean, you know the rules that you were explaining to me that the idea that you have a LeBron James yeah. being paid the same as a Chris Bosh. 
is just, disgusting. It's, it's embarrassing. And the, also the idea that they have to spend also yeah. the yes, money that yes. they have. Yes, 90% like the government of the cap. Yeah, they have to spend it in the offseason. They have to spend every penny, meaning it's like if they, if they didn't get some players, they get some mediocre players just to fill the, uh, just, just to fill the position. It's bad. And LeBron is fighting this, fighting this in a way, even though he supported Obama, he endorsed Obama, he gave money to Obama. Uh, Obama is against, uh, you know, is against, you know, corporate jets and all that. He's not against uh, LeBron James having a, uh, a jet. He's not against LeBron James getting as much money as he wants. Is it a black reparations thing? Who knows? Possibly. But let's, you know, but that's an aside. LeBron James is fighting this by basically having very short contracts. Because within a few years the cap is going to go higher, right? So they can he can get paid more. Good for him. And it's you know people say he doesn't talk about it. Who cares? I don't I don't give a damn. Well, okay, I I say good for him. Yes. But I also say that if he realizes that yes. it's right for him to do of that, course. that he needs to give up some of the political positions Absolutely that he's held right. in the past. But you know he's. I think it's just a race thing. Obama's black. I think that's it. I think as simple and as racist as that. Mm. And Obama. Basically, these guys, as far, as far as he's concerned, they probably get $100 million for one season, you know, because I think, again, it, it, it's a black thing. It's not a corporate uh, guy, you know, with, with his jets. Well, it's LeBron. Uh, let's give him a pass. It's ugly. But uh, he's fighting it by having very short contracts. His contract that he signed right now with the Cleveland Cavaliers is a two-year contract with an opt-out at one year. It keeps Cleveland under check in a sense where you, we need a competitive team if I'm going to be on your team. And also, with the next contract, you get more than he got in this contract, and so on. As you can tell, Bosch is very excited about NBA basketball right now and the various contracts and trades that yeah. are going on. Let me ask you this question, though. So we've got this egalitarianism yeah. in the sense that the very best players yeah. are being paid what some of the mediocre and, and mediocre players, players, no, but even mediocre right? players, like are getting paid so much money it's because they have to spend this. Right, 90% and they need a player right? to fill in, you know. So like, okay, well, this guy's not worth that, but I have to pay him that. That's it. So this is egalitarianism, yeah, pure is. and simple. And so then my question for you is, what values do you see being destroyed due to this egalitarian salary structure that they've got going in the NBA? In terms of the NBA, as in, in terms of, of the the best players are not getting what they deserve. And so therefore what? Well, the mediocre players are getting something that they absolutely don't deserve. You know, so it paid. encourages the mediocre players Absolutely. to just keep being and, mediocre, and, not and, to strive, and right? not playing right. great, not even right. not even willing to become great. Well, I got my payday. You know how many times it happens where an okay player gets a big contract next year? He stinks. He absolutely stinks. And you look at it, and then when it's a contract year, when he's basically playing for his contract, he plays a game. Of, he plays a season of his life, right. and then sits back on his laurels again. Right. Whereas LeBron will always play hard. You know. Arguably, well, he's not Jordan. Jordan played hard every single game and practiced everything. Kobe, Kobe does that as well. LeBron has learned to do that. But why the hell should a guy who produces as much as LeBron James produces get the same as a guy who produces half what he produces? Exactly. It's embarrassing. Exactly. I mean, you look at it like this is this is shocking. But this is this is the way it is. And in terms of the comics, you want to jump to comics? We just want to talk about this. No, no, go go ahead and jump to comics. Well, you know, yeah. comics. Uh, Marvel uh, went via Whoopi Goldberg in, in the View to announce the fact that they're going to turn Thor into a woman. Why are they going to turn turn Thor into a woman? Thor is not a woman. Thor is is a man for over thousands of years. I think five thousand years of character. He's he's considered a chronicle god. And uh, they said, well, you know, when they were asked about it by Time Magazine, why? Uh, well. Uh, 
I don't, their answer stunk. It was something really weird. And then they said, well, it's not for just for hype, but you know, it, it does bring more interest. Yeah, it is for hype. Because they're going to go right back to Thor as soon as the Avengers movie comes out, or the next Thor movie comes out. And to me, it's like it's a token thing. It should be called token comics. But how insulting to women, how insulting to uh, gays, to blacks, to get to basically adopt another hero's identity for a limited time, here's a crumb, and then get, get right back to the real guy. When the fact is these heroes cannot match up to the original heroes. They can't. You know, the Falcon cannot be uh, Steve Rogers the way he is. He, he has a super, the, the super soldier serum. He's a, uh, he's a man from World War II. He fought wars. The Falcon never did that. As far as I know, Falcon doesn't have a super soldier serum running through his veins. So how can he be Captain America? And he'll be gunned. No, but he'll be gunned at big time by Captain America's enemies. He can't. He can't match up with them. <laughs> State defiance in the chat room yeah. over here at Blog Talk Radio. He says, "Wouldn't that be Thorina right. or Thortisha well, well, or something you know like the, that?" The, the writer of Thor said, "This is not Thorina. This this is Thor." Uh, no, no, she's not Thor. Actually, Thor is Thor. And now Thor is unworthy. He cannot. You know, because the hammer. Only, only someone who's worthy can, can, can lift a hammer. And Thor has been worthy for thousands of years. But now all of a sudden he's not worthy. There was a new series more called uh, Original Sin where they unearthed all these sins of these heroes. And now it's, I don't even, I, I can't now buy see, the series. I think Original Sin is a horribly yeah, nihilistic I, I, concept, course, right? absolutely And is. so here they are right. in Marvel Comics adopting it. Yep. So really, really what you're doing is you're destroying the image of these heroes you're saying, well, anybody can step in the hero can. shoes. So anybody, can, anybody can be Captain America. You know, and, and, and look, the Falcon is a hero. I, li- I like the character, the way he was portrayed in the movie. In the comics, I think he was a token character. They put him there. He spoke the, I guess, black community lingo back in the 60s, 70s. He spoke in a way where you know, blacks spoke. I think it was Stan Lee trying to second guess how it would sound. And I think he was worried about the man. You know, it, it was racist America. I don't know why this guy would, would, would wrap himself up in the flag. I don't think he represents that. I don't think he wants to. I think it's, it's, well, it's the, the Obama Falcon, era. Well, the Falcon who appeared in oh, the recent absolutely movie right. is awesome. Well, he was a soldier. Yeah. I don't think the, the Falcon in the comics was ever a soldier. Okay, I think he was, okay. Uh, he was a, a different a, character. A ghetto kid who grew up and became a hero, ended up uh, partnering up with, with Captain America. Fine. But the Captain America, the, yeah, I, I could see the, the Falcon in the movie, possibly, with the super soldier serum, become Captain America. Yes. Now, but it's, it's only given a crumb to blacks. I mean, I, I mean that's what it is. It's identity politics. They're, they're pushing politics. They're making Thor into a woman. You go, girl, type thing. They're making Cameron to a black guy. It's, it's about him being black. It's not about anything else. It's not about his character. Because when uh, the, uh, the guy who I had to run with, uh, Tom Bravoot, about the Miss Marvel, the Muslim superhero in Marvel Comics, right. he said basically, uh, it's about time. You know, it's about time that the Falcon became, became and he, he's not talking about the Falcon. He's talking about the, it's about time Cameron is black. So I tweeted him. I said, it's about time a, a black editor, you know, takes your place. I and, mean, you know, what's up, my man? It's about time, a, you know, a black editor takes place. Right. No, but right. what do you mean it's about time? Let's, let's see Rogers as Cat America. No, exactly. And, and see Rogers will be Cat America again when the when next Cat America movie comes out. So what I'm saying You're, is it's, it's, they're renting out these, these identities in order to make the transition easier. It's like the uh, Muslim Green Lantern. You know what I mean? He's a Green Lantern. Green Lantern has been established by, by, uh, by Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern whatever the uh, organization that has, but uh, I just, I don't like it at all. I really don't have a unique black character uh, challenge Captain America as a patriotic, um, uh, you know, superhero in the Marvel universe. Have that, have a woman who's powerful, who comes in the Marvel universe and challenges Thor as this powerful, you know, uh, weather, you know, God, whatever. 
But it's just that you can't interchange these characters. Captain America is fundamentally Steve Rogers. It's who he is. It's, it's him that makes the characters you know, special. You can't just put on the suit on someone else. You, I mean, you can't do it. And, and again, you can't live up to it. Right, right, right. So you're not at all passionate about this topic. <sighs> I just, you know, it's, it seems like they're doing their checklist. We got the Muslim superhero check. We got the female Thor check. We have the black Captain America check. What's next? Cat, uh, Tony Stark, they're not going to make him someone else, but they're going to say he's going to embrace his id now. Now he's going to really be Tony Stark, as if Tony Stark is, is, is an id. That's just terrible. Now, if we go back to the basketball topic, Joel in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, the one change to NBA revenue that caused these bizarre salary structures to occur is the proliferation of publicly financed stadiums. Mm. Once it became acceptable right, for right, teams right. to blackmail cities to provide them with state-of-the-art Joel stadiums, that, right. salaries exploded. Yep. Wow. You know, teams that don't deserve yeah, that I mean, when, of, when, uh, And that, this was uh, after Michael Jordan's time, or no? I believe. I, I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I can't say. Let us know, You know what? Joel. Maybe, because you know what? it's called the Chicago Stadium. Now it's called... Something else, like a bank name. Okay. Right, to where okay. maybe the, the the state and the banks, and they're owned by the banks. Anyway, I'd be interested to know that them. because some of the some of the salaries that Michael Jordan got seem pretty paltry compared well, to what they're getting Michael today. Michael Jordan got under a million dollars for the first seven years, and then he got only three million a year, and then he, he it was payback time his last two years, which is still was he still was great. Right. He got Thirty-three million and thirty million. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know if that's just inflation or if that's because of what Joel was talking about here in the chat. Well, so let's let's go, let's go through just, some more of the joke. Asada. Joke. Asada. He's the CEO of Marvel. He's the one behind this stuff. He he went on the uh, the Colbert Report you know, to talk about the the Black Cat America. It, it's it's about a it's it's about a race thing. It's not about anything else. It's about you know shoving this thing down our faces. Hey. You black, Cat America can't be black. Oh, yeah, he will. It's like, well, yeah, but he's, that's not Cat America. Have, the Falcon already has his identity. He already does. They're going to try to fit into some, some, some uh, ready-made story. But, you know, he can't be Steve Rogers unless, against, again, uh, unless he has a super soldier serum, unless he went to war, you know, anyway. But Joe Quesada said some years ago, we, we're, just, we're just telling. This is the nature of the man who now run, run, runs Marvel. He said, I, I, I want to graduate to movies. This is self-loathing guy. Right, he right. he can't stand his own industry, and he said, "Excuse me, but he says basically I want to do a Monica Lewinsky to someone in Hollywood. That's what he's done, right? That's that's right. the nature of the guy in, in in charge of Marvel now." Now let me. I think in the time left, I'm going to be able to do about five minutes of hit and run on several stories. One more thing and about Marvel. No, and then I've got to save some time for the positive stories that we have at the end because otherwise a whole story on nihilistic the whole show on nihilistic stories is not good at all so let's go on one story sent to me by rob abieria thank you for sending this through facebook obama administration urges immediate action on inversions and you can go read the story for yourself but in essence what's happening is that there are companies who are deciding that they want to be incorporated overseas in order to avoid tax burdens. Imagine that, because as we've heard about in the past, I think our corporate tax rate is something like 35%. I don't know. It's, it's high. It is much higher than many other countries in the world. It's, it makes us one of the least economically free countries out there. And so there's this pressure to go ahead and somehow buy legislation, stop them from doing this. I, I mean, talk about destruction of value just here are corporations they are producing they're trying to keep as much of the money that they earned as they can in order to keep producing and here are the politicians trying to figure out oh look you know it's, it's like 
I'm thinking of like an, an innocent little creature trying to escape and there's like a vicious guy like trying to kill it or something, some nihilistic, you know, uh, kid or whatever trying to, you know, destroy an innocent little animal or something. You know, it's like, oh, look at the little thing try to escape. You know, look at these productive, right. cool little companies trying to escape overseas so that we don't out. fleece them totally. Yeah. And no, we got to make sure that we stop them and, and fleece them before they can leave. Horrible. Um, and then this, this, then the next one is the story that I could not even read and yeah. that Bosch looked at. Yeah. Man accused of beating a woman, and the reason that he gave for beating her is because she looked too happy. He said that literally. I do thank you, Al Meyer, for sending the story, but I apologize that I didn't have the intestinal the fortitude thing about the to story, actually read the story. The best thing story. about the story, you go on a site, you see the criminal, you see his face, broke, broken nose, he's bleeding, and the husband found the man, found her, found his wife with the scumbag over her and everyone's alive and he, decently okay yes and i think he, you know they they said he found him he took care of, he probably broke his face i hope so and i tell you one thing he had to resist killing the guy with his bare hands yeah i mean he had to resist that because oh, yeah. it's a, it's a temptation or you, you can go all the way break his face you know what in a, in, a, in a court of law you should be able to say well it it is what it is i mean that that is pure unadulterated nihilism right there Beating her because she looked too happy. That is, that is the most disgusting thing ever. She explained it that way, literally. Next story is not even that recent, but thanks for Rick, uh, to Rick Wilms for sending it. And he sent it a while ago. It's not, you know, I'm the one who's delaying here. It says, in NSA intercepted data, those not targeted far outnumber the foreigners who are. And you probably saw this story. This is a story in which we learn that the NSA yes. has kept on file personal data about 10,000 or so at least targets, or actually not even targets, just people whose data was intercepted, these people who were not actual targets. And the quantity and the quality of the data apparently, describes the article, has a voyeuristic quality. So when you talk about the people at the NSA who have decided to retain this very personal data about people who are not targets, how anti-value is that you disgusting? Hi, NSA people. Feel free to call in and debate me about yeah. the lawfulness and morality of what you're doing. Good luck. Um, then we've got a few stories that aren't even nihilistic at all. And Daniel Henry, he sent me this link to Rand Paul talking about a piece of legislation that he and a Democrat have been proposing. And I'm sorry, I forget the name of the Democrats, uh, you know, the Democrat uh, representative or whatever. Um, anyway, Rand Paul and this other guy, this Democrat, have put forth this piece of legislation in which they want to wipe from your record any conviction of a nonviolent crime, in essence. And it's not like you would automatically get this wiping from your record. You would have to have done your time, and then at least, I think, a year has passed, and then you how go about, before how, a judge. How about fraud? I mean, what does it mean here? Now, I don't know if fraud is included in, in the little interview clip. And again, you can see it if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Rand Paul talks only about drug crimes. That's the only type okay. that he mentions explicitly. And so, you know, the question is, well, what do I think about this? First of all, I'm, I'm not really keen on if there is a crime on a record having it wiped because yeah. suppose your premise is, and this is Rand Paul's premise, that some people are being unjustly kept from getting jobs because of these nonviolent crimes being on their records. Suppose that's true. I would much rather let 
people go out there and make rational decisions in light of all the information or not. The solution to the problem, if your concern really is a drug crime, is to not make the drug crimes crimes, right? right. Go ahead and make drug possession. But maybe this is his roundabout way of trying to, you know. Exactly. Also, so one, one thing about comics, Archie. Uh, is killed trying to save the life of a gay politician right. who's uh, trying to push gun control, something. Whole, I mean, this is, wholesome character, yes. totally wiped out. I mean, it's like, More okay. And the guy said he's, he, uh, Archie was willing to sacrifice himself. Yep. I mean, this, yeah. you, know, you add all these things together, then you realize that, yeah, this is, this is nihilism. Okay. A couple quick more things. Uh, Obama administration banning import of guns from Russia He's got the pretense of the fact that Russians are doing bad things right now in order to use his pen and a phone to keep uh, cheap guns out of our country. Boo on him. And what, you know, the antidote to this stuff, him using executive orders to do these things that should be handled through legislation, is the uh, other link that you see in the good news part of what we've got there today. Constitutional scholar warns Obama is threatening to remake government. And the scholar who is interviewed there, right. his name begins with a T. Uh, man, is it Turley, Jonathan Turley. Jonathan He's Turley. a liberal yeah. constitutional and lawyer. And he does excellent stuff on this topic, so I definitely encourage you to watch that. Oh, he's liberal. No, no, no. He's saying things that have to be said, and it's good that he's saying it. And he, then maybe some Democrats might look at that. And, say, oh, and he's oh. saying them in a very strong way. And, and he's saying, look, Obama is not the last president, right? No. This guy is acting illegally no. in an unprecedented scope. Next one will just fashion. double down. Right. I mean, if, if, if it's Hillary Clinton, oh, the criminality. Let's, let's not contemplate that now because this line of news that we've got here today is, is pretty much of a downer on its own. I mean, um, how, how bad is, is, are the Republicans going to fight a decent, a decent uh, candidate? That's the right, question. How right. hard will they fight a decent candidate to not get the nomination? Now, here's, here's one more story, and I would actually like, you know, A, we're almost out of time, but B, I actually have a real question on this. This story, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Click on the link for this one. It is, U.S. government says the Fourth Amendment doesn't apply to online storage. Now, when you go to the story, and I've read this story in a couple different forms. People have shared it around on Facebook and stuff, and I can't remember whom. I think Andrew Lehman, maybe Brian Yoder, some other tech-oriented people. And that story, the, the hypothesis is that you've got the government producing a warrant and then saying that you should be able to get that stuff from the overseas. Uh, you know, when, for instance, Microsoft is storing something overseas, you should be able to nonetheless produce a warrant to Microsoft and get it. And I'm actually a little bit ambivalent about this because if, if the you know, hypothesis is that the government is actually producing a warrant based on probable cause and particularized suspicion, I think maybe the company should have to produce it. And I'm not so sure right. that these headlines are accurately representing what's going on. I think this might be a case, you know, again, I'm not an anarchist. I think the government should be able to compel the production of data in the proper circumstances. The government's been, been so corrupt that sometimes people are thinking now everything to do is, is corrupt. Yeah. And where I, that's not I, the case. Exactly, exactly. So we've got a couple minutes left, and we've got a couple of cool little stories. One is Dick Morris. You may know Dick Morris. He had worked for the Clintons. He's a blowhard, yeah. And then he's turned conservative-ish, and he's made poor political prognoses oh, on terrible. <laughs> terrible. Fox News. He said, we're going to get 100 seats. They got 60. I, I saw a speech that he gave once oh, live, and I was like, meh. 
Oh, but, man. We were stuck you there. You know, he's, he's, I guess, a decent guy. He has guy. moments. I guess he's a decent guy. So he has a little blog, dickmorris.com, and I guess he finally read Atlas Shrugged. Too bad he didn't read Atlas Shrugged before. Yeah. I was in a, at an event where he was, but he yeah. says, anyway, when he was a liberal, he never considered reading it. That's yeah. telling. Yeah. As a conservative, he never got around to it. I think that's also yes. telling. Conservatives out there, please read it. He says, last night I read an eloquent statement by Dr. Hendricks, a character in the novel who was on strike and refused to donate his services to state-run medicine. And then the rest no of the post, the rest of the post is just Rand. a quotation from Rand. Yeah. And I think it's excellent that he put that there on his blog. I use that quote. To, uh, uh, ARI for I use that quote when uh, Obamacare was passed. Right, right. It's just perfect. And then finally, a piece of news, not just in, I mean, this is good news in the world Real things happening in the stories. law. Well, I'm, I'm impressed. Sort of. We only got 30 seconds left. Um, Oklahoma Supreme Court supports the constitutionality of the Common Core Excellent. Repeal Bill. So, if you remember, they passed in Oklahoma a bill to repeal Common Core in the state, and then it was being challenged. Oklahoma Supreme Court supported that. So, I think it's wonderful. Everybody, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Subscribe. Support our show. And please remember, share it with your friends and tune in here next week. We'll look forward to talking to you again. Take care. Okay, people. Okay, comics again. I don't, I don't know if you can hear us. No. Two hours. <laughs> what? Hi, Blog Talk people. If you're still here with us, we are here for a little bit of the post-show party. That was too hard to do that at was the end, just, boss. I know, I know. No, but, no, but you got it all in. Good well, job. Well, I, you know, I, I at uh, least uh, mentioned what I had in mind with regard to those stories. And look, it was it was a type, but uh, I mean, I, I did want to talk about it, I would, you know, about what they're doing with, with comics. These are unfit people you, behind comics. You know, I was thinking, Physically, I was thinking, spiritually. Bosh, bosh, what about the things that make my blood boil? Nah, that's true. What about it? That's what true. happened? I don't know. That that's like perfect. But you know, though, it doesn't it doesn't make my my blood boil. This is typical, and it's sad because this is the medium that I love. This is the medium that I'm involved with, right. and you got hacks, absolute political hacks running call books now. They're shoving political crap in there at every moment. I mean, I, you know, I put my politics in my comics, no doubt, but this is just in your face, deliberate uh, attacks on the nature of the characters. You know, and it's not that making a black guy Captain America is, is an attack on a character, but what I'm saying is that's not Captain America. Captain America is Steve Rogers. He's, he is Steve Rogers. Right. You can't separate that. Now, let me ask you this question, Bosch, and I don't know if Joel was referring specifically to this story because we were going through so many so quickly, but Joel, you can let us know which type of story and what nihilism you were talking about. But he says the shocking thing is not the existence of this kind of nihilism, but the lack of outrage yeah. about it, the sheer normalcy of how it appears now, that's the real shock. And my question for you is, Bosch, have you seen other people be outraged about these changes that extent, are being made? But in a very facile way. Like, oh, that's terrible. You know, is it? No, I mean, I mean, the fact is, uh, you know, the Falcon is a hero. He has his own identity. Why the hell would he adopt someone else's just because maybe he asked him to, because, because Steve asked him to? But, you know, Captain America is um, a super soldier. I don't know if the Falcon doesn't have the Super Soldier Serum running in the system, and if he isn't again, he'll be targeted by Cat America's enemies. And you know, if it was real, he'd be killed because he couldn't withstand them. Now, will he still be flying? I hope so, you know, right. because he has the uh, uh, the wings. We'll see. 
Ed here in the chat room says the comic creators should stick close to their audience, Middle America, or they will destroy the well, industry. Well, they have, and in that a was, sense, destroyed the industry. That was what you're the saying. Industry. They're destroying it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's comp- do, do they care? No. They're needless in a sense. Let me, let it me, seems like the ship's okay. going down. They're like, throw it all out there. Have a Muslim superhero, a gay superhero, a female superhero, a black superhero. Blah, 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 you know, Archie gets killed because... Okay, but let me ask you this question, right? Because what has happened to comics is really weird now. The comics themselves are not selling very well, right? No, they aren't. Nowhere near where they sold years ago. And yet, I think the comic book industry is bringing in piles of money because of the movies yes, that's the that only are being thing that made helps them based keep on the comics. Afloat. So, so maybe what it is, is that the comic industry now is bloated, like sometimes, you know, whenever we have the good times in our economy, that's when the Republicans are the worst, you know, when they say, oh, yeah, we can afford to start these new social welfare programs because everyone's doing well, you know. Yeah. And they always try to say, oh, yeah, we're having a recovery, but it's not being shared by the poor, you yeah, know. Right, right, and right. then they start throwing money around again. And maybe right now in the comic book industry, everyone's fat and large, living fat and large. And they say, oh, you know, if we alienate the regular readers of comic books, we don't care because our, our money is coming from these very few movie contracts. And little do they know, these movie contracts, it's like, you know, the, um, what's the, the, the little fable the, about the golden goose, you yeah. know, right. don't kill right. the goose that lays the golden right. eggs. They're killing oh, they the are. geese that are laying the golden eggs. You know what, the kind of comics they're producing, and this is true, and I tweeted out there to that guy also, uh, they are the kind of comics that a Barack Obama would, would take no exception to, that Muslims will take no exception to, that women, that gays, that blacks, I mean, they're truly, truly politicizing comics in the ugliest way imaginable. They're not there to write great stories about, about heroism anymore. They're not. Um, but this idea, it's like Barack Obama will be pleased with what they're doing, and they had Barack Obama in a comic. They uh, glorified him. It was in a Spider-Man comic years ago. It's like that's their audience, Barack Obama. They're writing like politicians. I remember Frank Miller in 2004, and uh, it was a small press convention in 2004. He was up there on, on stage. He was talking about how comic book writers are writing like politicians. Absolutely true. They are covering every base. Uh, they have to have this character, a gay character, a black character, a female character, Asian character, this Hispanic character, everything. Uh, and then also have Spider-Man say, nobody dies anymore or in New York City. How is that possible? It's right. impossible. You can't do that. And then also, Dr. Octopus was Spider-Man for over a year. Dr. Octopus, his great enemy, took over Spider-Man and became the superior Spider-Man for over a year. What the hell is that about? Yeah. I mean, I could see that for some side story. A side story, like alternate universe thing, but the actual Peter Parker. Yeah, Joel says every other year they have some kind of messy reorganization, yeah. completely confusing things, taking the audience for granted. No one knows which taking way. Taking us for granted through yeah. and through. They think they got them in their back pocket. When the fact is, look at the numbers from years ago. Look at them now. You had comics selling in the millions years ago. You have a comic book today, the biggest. It's eking out maybe the top of the top 100,000 copies. Maybe eking it. And then you got all these other comics, and you know what? It comes to a point where the Miss Marvel, now they're having Wolverine in back-to-back issues of the Muslim superhero comic book. They have Spider-Man. I think that her sales are plummeting. Right. This is my stuff because you, you could put Wolverine back-to-back, Spider-Man back-to-back in two different comics, and uh, do do it doing that, and then it's probably gonna, it's, it's probably selling terribly, but you know that they will take a hit with this comic for a lot longer than it would a normal comic because. It will be Islamophiles if we if we cancel it. I mean, we're you know sorry Islamophobes. They're Islamophiles for publishing it, and they'll they'll be called Islamoph- Islamophobes for for uh, canceling it. I mean, it's just the consideration. And also one thing: this is a Muslim with superpowers. Why isn't she out there saving the girls from Boko Haram? 
Why not? Why isn't she taking out uh, terrorists in uh, New York that are there? Why not? She's out. She's down in the sewers with Wolverine. And this is her. Okay, this is the Muslim super account. Uh, hey, we're super twinsies. They make her like a little bimbo. Talk like that, which has nothing to do with Islam. She's, you know, they're trying to make her like uh, this Jersey girl. And then have her go to a mosque. And because her parents, she's out late at night, right? Mm-hmm. A Muslim girl. First of all, my sister could never go out late at night, ever. She, get, she would have gotten beaten. If she did, she goes out late at night. Parents uh, tell her, you must go speak to the imam. Right? She goes to the mosque and the imam tells her, so long as what you're doing is honorable and true, you, you know, more or less you go, girl. And the imam's going to tell a young Muslim girl that right. in what universe? In, no. a Marvel, in a Marvel universe, clearly. In real life, he would have grabbed it by her hair. I mean, he would have forced her and said, what the hell are you doing? Just smacked her around in the real world. Right, right. But, you know, he gets, she, gets, he gets an, she gets an audience with him, which is, first of all, almost unheard of in mosques. And he tells her, as long as you're doing, I don't even know what you're doing, but as long as you're doing what's honorable and true, you go, girl. He didn't say it literally, you go, girl, but that's what it came off as. Joel says, the state of comic book, book writing is just another expression of postmodernism. Ah, I mean, you, you have these uh, give me, give me, leftists give me, in charge. Give me something good in comics, Bosh. Anything? Okay, well. Because we're going we're gonna to leave off with something Okay, good. there's a new Superman. He's a black Superman. He's a pacifist. And he's fighting the regular Superman in a certain universe, alternate universe. So, no, what? I want it good. Oh, sorry. Good. Um, John Romero Jr. is drawing Superman, which is, uh, you know, he's been a company man for Marvel for 30 plus years. I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing John Romero Jr.'s style drawing Superman. I like that. How's the writing um, for Superman, though? It's, it's good. Okay. It's okay. okay. You know, but it's, it's really the art to me was a draw. Usually it's the stories, but the art, if I'm going to follow Superman, it's because John Romero Jr. is drawing it. I haven't gotten a Superman comic in ages. I I tried one I think uh, three three years ago or four years ago, lame. They're trying to make him something that he's not, making a little more edgy. Uh, he looks like an emo almost now. Also, his you know his hair's down. He he's like dark character. He wears uh, hoodies, but um, I don't know. I don't know what. Flycatch in the chat room has a couple different comments okay, here sorry, about sorry. You know the how bad use comics of are? comics you know how bad to comics are? give. Soldier's morale, huh? 205 comics were on Comicsology the other day. You know how many I got? Hmm. One. You know what it was for? Miss Marvel number six. Because I'm being, I'm, I'm like a self-appointed watchdog for what Marvel's doing with the, with Islam. That's the only comic I thought was worthy of my time. Spider-Man is almost, un, it's not almost, he's un, unreadable now. You got an absolute leftist hack pushing gun control crap out there on Twitter. It's, it's embarrassing. So in They're a, all leftists, in a, by the way. In They're a, all leftists. In a, in a proper society, we could use these comics to boost the morale of any of our soldiers that are involved in the current conflict. And as it stands, if anything, it's undermined. Frank Miller. Frank Miller showed interest to write and draw Captain America recently. You, Marvel should jump at that. Make Captain America interesting again. Have Frank Miller write him and draw him. And the, the guy, the Tom Brevoort, who I had a run with, said uh, basically no. He shot it down because... Someone said, why not? Why not have Cat America take on you know, today's enemies for the same reason you shouldn't have Batman taking on today's enemies? You know? Meaning they're going to shoot him down. As if they have any right to tell Frank Miller, who brings in, you know, he still brings in numbers. He still brings in thousands of readers. I mean, thousands of readers, if not millions. I don't know. Um, they're going to deny him doing Cat America because of what? Because, yeah. they, because Joel, they present his Joel, ideology. Joel agrees with me. He says, as a commodity, Marvel comic books are detached from the audience because of the movie money. Yeah. They have no feedback loop that allows them to make their product better in exactly the same way that Soviet yeah. uh, p- parachicks, is that how you say that, pronounce that word, uh, had to their factory. Parachicks, yeah. 
Yeah. But you know they uh, they're writing for Barack Obama. They're writing for you know the New York Times. Writing for themselves. That's their audience. And I mean, think about that. And they talk about diversity. Diversity. What? This color. This character has darker skin color than the old character. That defines him. Right. That defines him. Right. And this is a stunt having uh, the Falcon ta- you know, take over Cat America's identity. It is. It's an absolute stunt. And again, it's giving a crumb to a character who's only adopting the, the uh, costume for until the next Cat America movie. Because what happened was uh, Dr. Octopus had Spider-Man's uh, right, body for right. over a year. As soon as the movie came out, oh, I'm back. Exactly. It's, it's just pathetic. It's, 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 it's <laughs> pathetic and, it's and pathetic. convenient. It's embarrassing. Now, listen, I need to Zoom because I actually have a writing class to attend in right. just a little bit here. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone thanks for letting here me, uh, who hangs out at Blog Talk Radio after the show. And I think I think Bosch has got a, a things that make my blood boil in the future, or no? Have probably. You, you've probably vented it all here. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Have a good afternoon, evening. I might have another, a more neutral weekend. show about comics and stuff. I might just have something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, all we'll right, talk. everyone. Take care, everyone, and Thanks. we'll talk to you next time.